0: I wish I knew how to quit you. Why don't you? This is Codependent Content, a podcast where my partner and I discuss the TV shows, movies, and video games in which we've formed an unhealthy relationship. My name is Matthias, and my co host is Shannon Riley. Join us each week as we try to make sense of the media we continually give our hearts against our better judgment and commiserate with us as we struggle and fail to let go of the characters, stories, and worlds that we are entangled with. Because just when we think we're done with content, it draws us back in. Well, hello, Shannon. Hello. You're here. Of course I'm Welcome. I'm surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the joke is, if I ask her to come back every week... And she's back, so be surprised with me. Everyone say, welcome back, Shannon.
1: Welcome back, Shannon. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks Um, for having me.
0: And welcome, all our viewers, our listeners, back to Codependent Content, the show that is ruining Star Wars, according to uh, everyone in the comments. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, We've been posting a lot of clips on TikTok and uh, YouTube and everything, we've ta- we already talked a little bit about the gatekeeping of Star Wars and different things. And man, we just like apparently have just no knowledge of anything with what we're saying. That we're just completely ruining Star Wars. Uh, so you know, that's just that's just a thing to keep in mind if you're new to this podcast. Uh, we're not here to have fun. We're here to
1: ruin Star Wars as dis- an entire millennial our concept. goal
0: from now on is to utterly destroy the entire Star Wars franchise
1: now is it because people are upset that we don't have um like an encyclopedia's worth of functional knowledge of Star Trek Star Wars history
0: or well, it's probably because you just called it Star Trek Shannon. Okay. so <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> just just gonna throw that out there okay that one, that one's on me. I'll take that one but yeah. previously uh-huh I I don't I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Cute. Love it. Uh, um so maybe someone else can tell us how we're ruining it and and what yeah. they think about Let it. Let me but, know. Uh, I will tell you uh someone that does who have an encyclopedia knowledge uh is uh Canon Kelly. Uh he gave us another great lore dump on our YouTube channel on the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh and I and I love it. I am I mean, there's things in there about uh, Hu Yang being like a thousand years old. I believe we heard a different number before, yeah. you know, uh, but I, I can't recall. It does mention him never really calling anyone else by these like respectful titles. He did say Master Yoda a lot, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm looking forward to the Hu Yang yoda spin off that'll eventually happen when they were both young and first in the jedi thing but yeah we'll we'll maybe get that maybe not get that and uh there, there's a whole bunch of other stuff a lot of it again is lore i love like the background information i definitely i've pinned it to our top comments on the youtube because i think it just helps anyone who's trying to like understand more about what's going on with these characters, especially if you didn't know before. There's a lot of the stuff like I kind of knew kind of, it doesn't really inform the show, mm-hmm. things like that, but it's very interesting. But one thing I did want to point out is I, I was going through the emails, uh, and just cleaning out the inbox a little bit. And I noticed that Canon, uh, or, or, uh, I'm getting the I'm sorry. Cause I'm getting K- Kanan mm-hmm. from the show. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin, uh, also had emailed us when we were doing The Last of Us. So, uh, Kevin's an oh. OG, um, uh, long-time listener, but also, like, oftentimes writer, which is amazing for a podcast. But also, Kevin, why are you not on the Discord? Kevin. I'm calling you out. Slide through. You're giving us all this, like, cool stuff, and we could be having all these, like, deep conversations and and more, like, interesting Questions and things like that, but uh, you be you be playing, I guess. So You be playing. <laughs> uh, Respectfully. Uh, get in the Discord. That goes to anyone out there who's been uh, listening and uh, uh, watching us for a long time. Uh, don't forget that Discord exists. I'm trying to create it like a little bit of a, just kind of a small, little community for us and then maybe for people who enjoy writing and world building, kind of like what we do and then talking about characters and content and stuff. So that's that's what we're doing. It's it's kind of a fan thing, but also kind of not. It just happens to be what I already had set up and <laughs> things like that. Uh, definitely on Discord. I know we have um, just a little bit of you know background information talk while we're here. Um, every time we start a new show, like our our viewership goes down, <laughs> and we never know if it's gonna come back up. And that's because people join for one show and then they're like, oh, I'm not interested in the other shows or could be a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. um uh and that's fine you know uh not everyone likes to listen to podcasts not everyone likes to listen to two and a half hour like deep dives uh and that's okay um uh but the the place where i would like to find consistency is like in the alternate areas you know even if you can't engage with if you don't if you're not listening things like that we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to also engage with you mm-hmm. uh, and figure out what would be engaging uh and how else we can uh bring some good content mm-hmm. to you guys so that's why i keep plugging the discord as much as i can so this is brought to you by vulgarian order sponsor i'll sp- sponsor our own stuff sponsor. So we're not gonna have sponsors self-sponsored for a while. <laughs> uh so that's all right uh, maybe that's maybe that's what we're missing uh i never said the i never said the things <laughs> the sp- <laughs> this is sponsored by and you can get a nice um Perks, I guess. I don't. One hundred percent off if you use our discount. If we use use our discount code, which is the link, which is just for free. So <laughs> go go there. Um, there was more stuff I was going to say, uh, uh, but I can't. I can't recall. Um, so yeah. Oh, we got also a lot of people um, really up in arms about what lightsaber colors mean, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, there's, I, I should note, we talked about the lightsabers, and we said that we don't have, like, a lot of these things didn't have meanings. I understand that there are meanings to these things. It's like, I, I was, when they first started, when they first made Star Wars, there was no meaning, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and then we gave the, these things meaning, and I think that's important. I know that, like, Samuel L. Jackson's lightsaber purple might mean certain things to certain people, especially a lot of people believe that it meant that he was kind of a, a, a mix between the good and the dark side. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, if that's actually ever been stated in Canon stuff, like in like reality or in the sense in like the, the lore of the show or whatever that like Mace Windu was seemingly this master of dark side and light side. And that's mm-hmm. why he um I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, a very interesting um, uh, to th- to think about. But also, we don't know that that's the same thing here with the orange lightsabers. And I and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what the alignment is with Balin and Shin. So I'm super interested to in dive into that. And then speaking of like dark side, light side, and and uh, our um question about like what to call these people especially when we're not talking about Jedi and Sith Uh, I know that I guess technically Ahsoka and Sabine are still technically training in the Jedi way so we can still call them Jedi but what do we call the other guys which are definitely not like Sith let me see if I can uh, find the comment Um, so someone did make a comment this is a Closest that I feel like we've gotten, and again, there's no sources, so I don't exactly know where this comes from. I don't know if it's like written in a book somewhere. I don't know if it's like old, like uh, expanded universe stuff or or legends as it's now called, or or if or if this is like newer things. Especially, I know that there's probably like books that talk about it within like the the ancient Jedi text that <laughs> Luke is um. Holding on to on his on that planet, Uh, but who knows? But someone said that uh, don't we have terms for for it? It meaning like force users, Um, kind of we have the Ashla or the light, the Bogan or the dark, and then the Bendu for the one in the middle. Is technically some terms that have been used, I guess. Somewhere in the past, which is interesting. Again, I don't know how accurate that is, um, but I think it's. I think that's cool. I'd be curious to know if anyone has any more information on those Ashla Bogan or Bendu. Yeah, because those would be better. A lot of people got on to me because, like, we just call them Force users, and I still feel like that's clunky. I was like, the reason why we have Jedi and Sith was like there's an efficient way of referring to, you know, and
1: identifying. Yeah,
0: and then also like force user, okay, so dark side or light side, so now I have to specify even further, like, light side force user or, or dark side force user. Like, now I have four words used where usually two two or one syllables, like, suffice, you yeah, know? Like, sure. it's still clunky and still overly generalized, so I understand that we can just keep saying force users, right. but it just... But if you want
1: to get specific, <laughs> it's more challenging to do so.
0: Yeah, and, and also, I, I think these you know, there's a reason why we have titles for these kinds of things in real life. You know, we have different titles for different types of martial arts artists out there, you know, which, which one do you follow? You, we don't just call them all like you're a martial artist, you know, it's like, but you're a karate, you're a karate, you're a Kung Fu, uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, there's, I, that to me is, is you wouldn't go to like a, tournament and just be like oh yeah all like you're all the same kind of situation you mm-hmm. know or like uh, that so that's why I'm looking for some sort of term so maybe we have some Ashla maybe Bogan or Bendu uh, we can call them all Bendu for a little bit maybe I'm definitely not going to remember <laughs> yeah, that I've never heard remember, those words in my life <laughs> um, don't know where that comes from I'm curious uh, there's a lot more going on and it's just, uh, just a lot of people being angry about things so I'm not even I'm not even sure. Do you remember anything that you want to talk about in terms of feedback or or things that we've gotten? Um, people have said that maybe have enlightened you in whatever
1: I, capacity. You know what? It's gonna sound terrible. No.
0: <laughs> she doesn't read the comments.
1: I do read the comments. I just um I try I try not to focus on the comments. I'm we're having a, a good discussion with um a few people in our Discord about like what we're enjoying about the episodes. And I really, I really enjoy having those deeper discussions instead of just, it's like one comment of you telling me why what I said is wrong. And I'm like, cool. Thank you for this information. Um, So I like, I like to engage with it, but you know, not too much, not too crazy. And I think for me too, I, I know there's so much that I don't know that I'm like every comment on here about me is probably right. (laughs) And I need to go like watch rebels and watch the Clone Wars and read the books and stuff. So I'm happy to admit where my knowledge is lacking.
0: Yeah. I still think you didn't enjoy Rebels, especially after this week's it. episode. Um, you were frustrated with certain character elements and relationships not being there. It's like, well, they are technically there. We're just, we just haven't seen it. If you haven't seen Rebels, you know, mm-hmm. and considering like a lot of that is apparently, I feel like we were deceived in believing that we were going to, not need Rebels <laughs> in order to enjoy Ahsoka, and it does sound like that a lot of it probably you you needed to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I don't know how many others are in the same boat. Um, maybe all all these people have already watched Rebels. Mm-hmm. I wish that wasn't the case, you know. I wish we could have some, some things that didn't where you didn't have to go and watch a whole however many episodes or seasons mm-hmm. to just catch up, but. Um, that's me. I'm still enjoying it. So whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, what else? Uh, Um, do you, I want to talk a little bit about what else we've been watching really quickly. We haven't really talked about that much. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, mostly because I feel like we, we did a little catch up. I didn't realize how far behind we were, but we did a little catch up on foundation on Apple TV and foundation is an interesting sci-fi property for me. Um, I didn't realize for so many years how much I do love sci-fi things and genres. And um, I'm, I have to say like, I am really enjoying foundation uh, a lot more with each episode. There's something about the ideas that they're presenting and the cool, like all the, passion that's clearly going into it. Um, not only like the effects, but like the way everything feels like new in the way that they handle um the designs and like the travel and things like that. And I'm not a everyone always asks like, oh, is that the one based off of the Isaac Asimov book? I'm like, yeah, but I've never read any Isaac Asimov. So I don't I don't know how to compare it. I don't know what's going on with it. I only know the show. Um, and there's something again, like super interesting in terms of like the way that they're trying to tell the story. And I know it's different from the books and I know they've changed a whole lot of elements, but like for me, a lot of things are working. I love the idea of like an emperor who's continually cloned himself and has three versions of himself at any time. It's just like super interesting over like millennia of uh, that's just like how to, it's like the how of it and then the like thinking of it just boggles my mind. Um, you know, cryosleep being another thing. The the psycho history and the math is like super interesting. Now they're introducing uh telekinesis and and uh uh meant, what's the words? You know, uh whatever uh for um into the show and I'm I'm just Completely loving it. But then, like, you get these really great scenes in between actors that uh, are just, like, unexpected, kind of come out of nowhere because they're they're taking their time. Like, while they're introducing all these cool and big ideas, they're also trying to, you know, ground it in, like, these very character-driven moments. And some of these things are, like, kind of, like, I'm not interested in others I am more interested in. Um, but so far, like I have been. Like I can't not watch it, you mm-hmm. know, I can't I don't find myself bored while watching this show. And it's a whole lot packed into like an hour. You said what that feels like a lot whenever you come at the end of episode things. like Yeah. That, and yeah. you're like,
1: oh, it's only been 43 minutes, but I f- kind of feel like I just watched a movie and not necessarily in a bad way, but the episodes feel I think even you said that during one episode you were like oh this is a longer episode and then it was still only like 56 minutes and it's like oh
0: yeah it If it, it, they're packing a whole lot mm-hmm. into a small time frame which is interesting considering again like Ahsoka is and maybe we'll get into this but it, uh, this is a little bit of my criticism of Ahsoka and other things like this is that we're on episode four now, and I feel like technically all this could have been done in like two episodes or or maybe even one episode, like one very good episode. Like a, a lot that has happened probably could have been compacted a little bit, you know, and again, different shows. So and how they want to tell the story, that's just format things mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but these the creators and foundation are managing to pack so much. And then they're packing so much in there and they're giving you such great, interesting characters and great, interesting ideas and great, interesting like scenes between people that like things get missed. And I had to like write down a quote because this is something that I feel like was said so casually and just in such a like in the middle of an episode and it's not something that you're expecting and what he's talking about. Technically, really has not that much to do with the episode. It's just more of like his lament, you know, about uh, uh, he he's struggling with what where his loyalties lie and what he's been doing and what his job is and where he should be and what he should be doing for the rest of the world and things like that. And he just throws out these this point of view on the world where he says the things that he's seen. He uh, and I quote: "The weak are objects. The rapists are." Kings, the poor are slaves. Life is nothing but emptiness and pain. And just that hit me so hard, and I wanted to, like, call it out, and the, and I wanted to use this just so I can throw, uh, send people to the show, uh, because these tiny little ideas are just, like, uh, 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 secretly... <laughs> I guess getting in there, you Mm -hmm. know, um, in your, in your sci-fi thing. And this is the kind of the same kind of stuff that we loved about Andor as well. And like, it's such a basic kind of idea. But then whenever he said that, I was like, they're talking about something that's supposed to be like millennia, like in the future, you know, when earth is not even mentioned and we're on different worlds and stuff and things like that. And, and this, that felt like, he was describing today. It felt like he was describing exactly what's going on now and how I feel going on in the world. And we know we're in like this kind of era of like crisis and stuff and, and how we're seeing a lot of people um, unionizing and fighting for equal opportunity and, and just for like a little bit, you know, and we're seeing like the people in power, you know, our own past president, you know under investigations and and impeachment and stuff like that and and whatever you want to call it and and it's like this is just true like whatever he just said was like a hidden message in the show that i feel like could be easily missed but it's so true for today and it's so true of people's point of views of like how they view the world and stuff and i just find it like so I guess gratifying to kind of have that voiced you know but also like like relating to that and feeling that struggle that so it's just something I wanted to like call out like I felt like I had to I didn't have any place I also I'm curious if that is from the books I don't know if it's written I don't know if uh Goyer who helped is helping show run this I believe um if he wrote that or if one of the other writers wrote that i i've looked it up i've tried to search for it and i can't find anywhere mm-hmm. where that that exact quote kind of exists um and maybe i didn't search very hard but yeah like uh is that an I- idea from Isaac Asimov and i and i would find that even more interesting if that mm-hmm. was so you know and again that that small little thing is kind of like the outline the theme of what their kind of the whole show is about and uh, it just completely, um, was just so like easily said and and whatever. Like, I almost missed it, you know. And, mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I love the show. I love that it has this rewatchability too. That you can you miss some things, you you need to go back because so much is being packed in there. You got to go and find. So it's becoming one of my favorite shows because I feel like it's hitting all the right notes in terms of like what I want sci-fi to be. Mm-hmm. So, um. And I feel like people should go watch it.
1: Yeah, you've been saying that since season one. Like, every time you watch an episode, you're like, I think this is becoming my favorite show. I'm like, I think it is. <laughs> I think it is right now, currently, your favorite show. I
0: think what's weird is it's hard to say that it's my favorite show when I sometimes can't tell you what's going on. You know, like, I it, I I mentioned the Emperor thing. In the first season, like, there, I was trying to like follow the emperor lineage and like who was who. And I was like, okay, this is the kid in the first episode. And now he's changed. Cause there's a lot of time jumps in the show. Right. And I was like, okay, so they clearly, this one has now grown up and now he's the new emperor and, you know, and, and what's going on. And, and then there's one that does like a huge thing where he goes on this, like, we'll just call it a walkabout, you know, and it was supposed to be a huge moment for that character. And for this, that era, you know, and that episode uh and also um lee pace is just amazing and (laughs) i hope also i hope i keep doing tangents like this i'm sorry guys uh we love the red rising series and i hope when they cast golds uh that they're all basically just lee pace because i feel like him in his like armor you know and his emperor armor or whatever that's exactly what like the golds should be oh, yeah. you know it's like this tall imposing uh and the design is just really cool and mm-hmm. you're like he could he can screw someone up you know but also like has this like beauty about him you know it's just it's just crazy um uh but yeah that emperor goes on like a walkabout and does a thing and then uh we that's like almost like a climax of the season and then this next season I'm trying to like reorient myself like where are these people and it turns out that like that we just skipped like two generations of emperors and we're on like a whole new generation and they're it's not the same character and he's playing it as like different characters and I'm trying to follow you know I was like Mm -hmm. well when was the other one because I'm curious like what happened to him you know and they just don't explain things and it's like it's funny how like that can be such a huge moment but then like doesn't matter, you know, in the yeah. grand scheme of the, these, the empire and stuff like that. And I'm in like, did these things work? What's going on now? We're struggling with new things and new ideas. And so I, so it's already hard for me to follow. So it's hard to say like what my, it, that is my favorite show because I feel like I have to keep thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, to figure out like, am I even actually understanding what's going on or am I just liking the ideas? You know, At that's the end of the day, how like, I
1: watch the show. I cannot <laughs> tell you what's going on. And I really don't care to because when I'm watching the show, I'm enjoying watching the show yeah. and I don't know how to like really put that into words. When everything is happening, I feel like I'm, I'm in the current and I understand exactly what I need to know to get the concept. And then I leave the show and I'm like, what, what did I actually just watch? Like what is actually going on? I don't know. And the fact you brought it up when we watched the episodes, but I had no idea that we were time jumping. I had no idea we were following like a bunch of different generations of Cleons had no idea. So
0: from what I understand also from the books, that's well, that, that was kind of like outlined for you. Like we, in, in essence. Right. But from what I understand it in the books, and I don't know if like that idea of like the empire exists in the books, but I do know that the certain characters do. And, um, the hard thing about adapting the book is because the books, and it's, like, I believe the book is a series of, like, shorter novellas or whatever mm. um, that are all interconnected in the same kind of timeline. And you follow, like, this section here and then this group of people here and then this group of people here. Mm-hmm. So there's not usually, like, a overarching characters that you can continue following, right? So from what I understand it, like, the idea of introducing this long-running empire – um, The idea of making uh, Harry Seldon as like a virtual version of himself and having two clones or whatever, you know, and then also the idea of putting um, uh, is it Gail um, into like this hyper sleep and then she interacts with her daughter, mm-hmm. you know, as as like the same age, like 100 years after, you know, and they were both asleep also for that time is kind of like new stuff. Someone who maybe is interested in in the foundation can can tell me if that's true. But like that's that's stuff that's not in the book. Like we don't like typically we just time we just time jump. We're introduced to like new characters, and this is actually giving us a way to connect to people like throughout uh, the rest of the series and throughout the time as it moves forward. And those are interesting ideas on their own. So mm-hmm. it feels like what they've done is take the ideas in the book, but also introduce their own like sci-fi ideas that fit so well within the universe, you know? And so that's what I, I like about it. Um, is that even I could, you, you could tell me that this is not a book idea and I would still, um, it doesn't matter because it feels like it fits so well. Mm -hmm. And, and, we're able to present newer ideas and again how have we not thought of some of these ideas you know how we not so again uh um a little black mirror-esque you know like how we we always do sci-fi but it always feels like the same and then here and uh black mirror is usually the place where you do like new kind of futuristic ideas and new things but then they always end up being like um bad ideas anytime we try and do something new it's it's never actually it's always like what could go wrong or whatever. And here, like these ideas are just presented as like, this is just the future, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, robots aren't allowed to exist. Oh, that's interesting. You know, like, and, and um, the legalities of certain, uh, what a spacer is and all this kind of stuff. And usually these things are like presented as like, this is, what the idea is, this is what the single movie is about, you know, it's like this one idea, you know, and it's usually something has to go wrong or something's bad about it, you know, like AI tech as a technology, whereas they're introducing so many different ideas, new ideas, all in this one thing. And it's not all presented as good or bad. It's just presented as history, you Mm -hmm. know, this is what it is, you know, these things happened and we're just going about it. Cloning is a thing. And, or it's so, it's such a, It's mind-boggling. It's hard. It's hard to keep track of. But yeah, sorry. Okay. it's (laughs) mean, you don't say anything. Just like I was
1: saying. Well, I started saying something, and then you got excited and continued. But all I was saying is that it's the type of show that, like, you either need to really, 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 really pay attention to it, or you can just kind of like vibe with it because the performances are strong enough and. I think the the world is like intriguing enough and built out strong enough that you understand what's going on, even if you don't fully understand what's going on. And I kind of like shows like that because it reminds me of the idea that, you know, do you actually know something if you can't explain it to like a Mm six-year-old, right? So it's like, I feel like foundation is so intelligent and so much smart it has way more brain capacity than I do it's functioning on like seven trillion different brains and my one little baby brain's trying to like keep up with it but it's still like here we go here's how we bring this one little baby brain along for the ride so it's a really fun show that makes me it like reminds me why I like sci-fi especially as we continue to watch like Star Trek and Star Wars and other things that I'm like it's you know, we love the IP, but it's like it's losing its luster because it just feels like we're cranking out like the same shit over and over and over again. So it's a breath of fresh air to watch something like Foundation. Um, So I am I am in a different way, very much enjoying watching Foundation, and I look forward to watching it. Every week, which is exciting, so absolutely definitely go check out Foundation on Apple TV. I kind of want to read the book, but again, fear that Perhaps. I don't have the brain capacity to read it and like sit on all the (laughs) I'm not. That's the other thing. I'm not dumb, but I like watching. I like watching things that I don't fully understand. Kind of like, is it industry? where yeah. they talk a lot about just, like, stuff I don't know about the stock market. So I, I like, I understand what's going on, but they could be saying anything. I have no idea what they're actually talking about, but I understand the feeling of it. Like, I like shows that are able, that have such a strong, like, sense of identity and world that they know exactly what they're doing, whether you do or not. Yeah. So Foundation Succession was like kind of
0: like that, too. Yeah. Um, I, there was this idea, especially in, in industry, where, like, these relationships already existed, and stuff. And we're just constantly trying to like understand and catch up, you know? And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I sometimes can't necessarily follow that show either because they don't hold your hand kind of through it, you know? And they, they don't really give you <laughs> what you need to like, remember what's happened before. You just right. kind of have to like know and stuff. But that's also what's interesting is like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we don't, as humans don't have like perfect memories of things either, you know? And, and you, it's not, it, you you use a whole lot of context clues to fill you in on the relationships and how someone feels about something or, or what's going on in the scene. And, and that to me is like, if your brain has to work a little bit hard to like watch something great, like, you know, yeah. like that's how normal life is sometimes too. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So go watch foundation if you like some good sci-fi and I'm, I'd be curious what other people are, if people are watching that or if they're mm. like, it, cause I don't hear anyone talking about it (laughs) it's not yeah you know but also when we get stuck on a show and we start talking uh, uh, about it and posting about it that's all we get delivered as well too so i don't i don't know that (laughs) maybe it's just because we're in when we have something to talk about we're in our own bubble yeah and i don't know if like the algorithm's not reaching us i don't know what people are saying about foundation Mm -hmm. um if anything uh or if people are not watching it honestly apple tv as much as i rebel against apple as like a company sometimes there's like one thing i use which is the computer which i really really like um and i do like the os i i hate the way sometimes apple and as a corporation does things and um but apple tv is like is kind of churning out hits like i, I it's become like bangers you know uh as hbo max diminishes for me sometimes like Apple is like taking over. I no longer open Netflix. I rarely open Hulu and it's like th- those two Max and Apple are like the ones I'm always like rechecking, you know, mm-hmm. if something's going on because there there's some good shows on there. Um not everything, but uh in or not everything I'm interested in, but there's some really good shows on there and I'm yeah. I'm uh pleasantly surprised by that. Something else we should mention, hey, the strikes are still happening. Mhm. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, this is not an endorsement on the corporations and the studios being able to treat actors and writers like shit. Like okay. I still think if we don't have content, like I would rather that as long if people are getting paid, you know? Yep. That's also another reason we don't hear about it is because promotions probably at like an all time low because they, people can't promote their stuff, which is fine. Yeah. And they, uh, shouldn't be promoting something like, I may love the show, but if it's it might be the final season. I don't know like what's going on with it. So yeah. um, none of it would be possible without the writers again doing such good work, and then the actors delivering such good work. And they should be compensated for that. So there's my view. I know none of you are are here for this on this podcast, but I wanted to just re- remind everyone it's that that's our
1: podcast. And don't fucking forget that we're on strike.
0: Yep. Uh, still happening. So yeah, that's a lot about what we've been watching. How about we move on to Ahsoka episode four, Fallen Jedi. Uh, uh, thanks for the interpretive dance, Shannon. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, if anyone's
1: just listening to the audio of this, I apologize.
0: Uh, Go watch uh, it on YouTube again. Uh, I and I, I ha- I'm going to. <laughs> I'm not going to forget this time because okay. immediately I feel like we're going to get into it. If you're new to the podcast from this point forward, if you have not seen the episode, you will be spoiled because we do not, uh, hold back. We do not separate our spoilers. Uh, and a lot of times from the get go, we're going to be talking about things, especially today. So I encourage you go watch the episode. If you haven't yet, uh, I'm sure the internet's already spoiled things for you because even I'm surprised that I made it to, uh, what seven o'clock or whatever it mm-hmm. was, like an hour after the episode dropped and didn't get spoiled because it, it's crazy, right? So, um, uh, be careful out there. Spoilers are, <laughs> spoilers are dangerous. Uh, Take chopper uh, with you, but but don't yeah. But we're gonna spoil things, so uh, feel free to come back and listen to this. Um, that said, episode four is titled. Fallen Jedi. Thanks again, Shannon.
2: For that interpretive we dance. Get it.
0: <laughs> uh, and we have to talk about that title because, at first, you when the title shows up in the episode, I'm like, oh, who, who, who is that referring to? You know, I believe it's like right after a shot of Balin, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, um, and then over the course of the episode, I realize. Personally, that it can refer to any of the three characters that we are introduced to, including Balin, Ahsoka, and Anakin. Because uh, spoiler alert, Anakin shows up at the end of the episode, and what a way to just what a w- what a way to like kind of uh, 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 themize the the episode, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on, like, what the title, who the title could be referring to if there's a specific one?
1: Uh, again, I'm with you. I initially thought Fallen Jedi meant I was going to follow Balin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kicker right at the end with Anakin, you're like, oh, cool. So Anakin then, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I still feel like perhaps it is is Balin. And then I guess to some minor extent, Shin, because um, we get to see her use a little bit of like the dark force or whatever. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely thought it was Balin until Anakin showed up. And then I was like, oh, cool, what a what a fun tie-in as we see Anakin as Anakin, but then play him off with Vader's theme. I was like, ooh, fallen Jedi. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: I. I'm inclined to believe that it's always going to be about Ahsoka, considering this is technically her show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that the idea is represented in three different ways. Like the title can also extend to these others, right? Um, We already know Anakin's story very well and why he's fallen, but Balin and Ahsoka um, are fallen in kind of different ways. Like Ahsoka left before Order 66, from what I recall. And then Balin probably is a survivor of Order 66, you know? And he's fallen for a, a kind of a very different kind of circumstance, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't really know Ahsoka's story that intimately. And so I feel like this is really going to be about her because we're mostly we're coming to the... Uh, we have like a lot of conversations between her and Balin about um, uh, what her... Dynamic is what her per, uh, uh, responsibility was and everything, and and um, how she's a clear descendant of Anakin in, uh spiritually and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, it, to me, that's why it clearly refers to her, you know, because that's the struggle that we're ultimately dealing with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a uh could be, but it can be extended, and I'd be curious like what other people think. But yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what um, I I I think it's just it's just a really cool, really cool title for this. I think.
1: I think that um, when you just now said it can be extended to Balin, Ahsoka, or Anakin, I thought you were being funny with Ahsoka because she literally falls at near the end of the episode.
2: Oh, so sure. I
1: I I thought you were joking because I don't. Someone someone on the internet can tell me why this is wrong, but I don't see Ahsoka as a fallen Jedi. I think because when I think of fallen Jedi, I think of specifically like dark force users, like the fallen order sort of vibe. And since she isn't that to me, I'm like, she's not a fallen Jedi. And I forget. So fallen Jedi just means like you made the choice not to follow the typical Jedi path in the light, right? It could
0: mean like different things like you know fallen jedi i think most clearly refers to anakin you know this episode is kind of about anakin and uh, spiritually and then it ends up with he's like the final shot so it it makes sense that he's like the most clear representation of a fallen jedi like he was trained in the jedi he was supposed to be like a representation of the jedi and then he he fell to the dark side, mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily see like ahsoka falling, yeah, you're right, like to the dark side or even Balin like fall, you know like that they're disillusioned, maybe certain things, um but in terms of ahsoka like carrying forth like the Jedi way, it seems like that's the big struggle with her, you know that's why she hasn't taken on any sort of apprentices, she doesn't go around uh talking so much about the Jedi way of things or whatever, like does she mention the force? Yeah, that's fine. But she's very much like even taking on Sabine as an apprentice feels like such a like struggle for her, you know, that this was like a big deal, you know, and near throughout the episode, that struggle becomes real in the sense that like they are like, she thinks Sabine is dead. And I feel like there's a big like kind of we have, I will get to it. I, I hate jumping forward to this, but like in that struggle, there's a, for me, like a clear indication that she's regretting having done this in the first place. Like maybe she should have done this on her, on her own, you know, like instead of bringing Sabine along, you know, and that, that fear and these ideas coming up in the sense that like, this is why the Jedi way like doesn't work, mm. you know, um, because she's getting attached and stuff like that. And so that attachment there is clear. And that's, there, it's, so in essence, she is like a fallen Jedi in the sense that she's really struggling with the Jedi and especially that her master is not like the number one representation of a fallen Jedi mm-hmm. and like what does that mean for her, you know, and like what he taught her and like the doubts and all those kind of things. So there's a whole lot that can be.
1: Yeah. Taken from.
0: Yeah. Um, Wonderful. In the sense that she's fallen in, in essence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. Other people can tell me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Y'all let us know. Um, great. Do you want to give a brief overview of what you thought of this episode? You seemed pretty stoked upon its conclusion. So I'd love to hear your
0: general thoughts. Yeah, I feel thoughts. like we can just like deep dive into it because there's, every time we talk about something, we always want to jump ahead to like why's and, and the interesting things, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, I'm overall just like, I, I liked this episode I think more. I think mm-hmm. it's slowly becoming clear like what Dave Filoni is trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I say slowly with a, you know, kind of a grain of salt, like very with emphasis, I guess, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it is a little slow. That said, it, I, I'm not that perturbed by it. But uh, this episode was a lot better than uh, the last episode. For me.
1: I agree this episode I think is my favorite Ahsoka episode so far that I don't say that without critique of the episode mm-hmm. that I'm sure we'll discuss as we continue but I'm hoping that it feels like we got most of the table setting out of the way kind of referencing what you said earlier where it's like oh maybe some of this could have all been done in one episode and I'm hoping that now we're we have all the general ideas. We have the concepts, we have the established relationships and how we're getting to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go. So I think that, um, the, the next four episodes really have the potential to like haul some major ass. And I do think the next episode is directed by Dave Filoni directly.
0: Who directed this episode? Cause I missed it.
1: Mm, I can look it up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I'm seeing some things. Um, so okay, Episode four. I'm seeing some things. It's like, oh, episode five is gonna gonna do it, and I'm like, oh, I wonder.
0: Well, I think also besides like the occasional image of Thrawn, um, there was a clear indication that by the time we got through the end of this episode, we have we will have seen everything that was teased or everything that was in the trailers, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like to me that has become true again, except for the occasional. Yeah. Uh, image of Thrawn. I didn't watch all the trailers and like dissect them like frame by frame. Right. Usually, I just remember like certain images, so I could be wrong there. There might be something else. Um, but it probably would have been small and insignificant, right? Um, again, in the essence, the fact that like we got Anakin, uh, a rumor that he might show up. We did hear his voice in the trailers, you know, and would he like show up? And now it's clear that like anything past this point is going to be something new and they kept that everything past this point under wraps for a reason you know and so now things can hopefully just kind of like now the train's moving let let's let's move along you know Mm -hmm. let's pack as much as we can in there absolutely um but i don't know we'll see it
1: looks like peter ramsey directed this episode also the director of spider-man into the spider-verse
0: Great. great. Well, I mean, uh, there's multiple directors on... Sure. ...isn't there, into the Spider-Verse. So, yes, but he's yeah. one of them, so... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of cool things. I do think that this was, in ways, some of the best directed and, in ways, some of the um, still the same problems that we've kind of had with <laughs> um, the the past episodes and the way that Ahsoka and, and maybe Lucasfilm in general is, like, doing things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, but... Uh, still working for me. Um, yep. uh, and I do think it, it, again, one of our favorite episodes. Let's, let's, uh, dive into it. I, I didn't get a chance to like r- write down scene by scene. So I'm going to try and remember things from the, from the top of my head. Okay. And, and I'm with there. you. If I, if I remember um, we anything. are, uh, uh, starting the episode with, uh, the ship is still on sea and, uh, everyone's uh, Hu Yang's trying to repair it and he's going to do some things. And then Ahsoka's is just, I guess, outside and Sabine's trying to help and whatever. And that's, what's kind of going on there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, maybe we cut uh, back and forth by, I, I, I don't recall. Um, but you know, eventually, um, Hu Yang's outside He's trying to reroute some communication wires or from other areas, you know? And I know we do visit the rest of the people, but eventually, like, these guys get attacked. So we're just going to, like, focus on the scene here within the ship and stuff like that, and they, yeah. and they get attacked. S- super simple. I, bu- I, In essence, you know, um, Ahsoka senses something is out there, and she's worried, and there's a conversation between... Hu yang and her do you recall what that was kind of about in terms of like they were talking about sabine um I, I don't know if i don't remember if it was like that they're not ready or they're um is she you know what's going on there
1: um i remember just the vague feeling of of feeling underprepared mm-hmm. um and and ahsoka really kind of being apprehensive about even like bringing Sabine and having Sabine along, Mm -hmm. which I think is reflected in the fact that she says, like, can I count on you? And Sabine's like, you know, you can, which respectfully is one of four moments that I audibly rolled my eyes because that dialogue is boring to me. Mm -hmm. Um, However, you know, continuing in this little like vignette here, Sabine and Ahsoka talk about how, Ahsoka feels that everything is for the greater good. Mm -hmm. That the goal can, the goal right now is if it's no one gets to Ezra, or like maybe they get to Ezra, the goal has to be nobody gets to Ezra. Yes. And Sabine's like, uh huh, yeah, sure. And that's when Ahsoka's like, can I count on you? And she says, of course you can, which is something that we'll revisit later in this episode. Yes. But the idea, I really do feel that. You know, if Ahsoka is driven by this greater good and this concept of you know we we got to protect, she says it in a in a really vague way that I'm able to infer. Like, if if I was Ahsoka, what I would have said is, "Hey, Ezra sacrificed himself to make sure that like Thrawn could not be a threat,
2: mm-hmm. and if
1: you do anything to undermine that." you are essentially throwing that sacrifice away. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be Sabine, you miss Ezra. So, you know, try to protect. It has to be like Thrawn is a threat and we have to neutralize the threat. And you I just feel like already I could tell Sabine was like, nah man, it's it's Ezra or nothing. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, I don't think uh speaking of that, and I think more and more we talked about it a little bit last night. Like the stakes are kind of there, but mm-hmm. it's outlined so like I guess it's so much like on the surface and so transparent is, is what I should say. Right. Like we, as soon as they, they say this, because again, we don't, I don't know where it's coming from. This whole, like, can I trust you? Kind of talk. Like we weren't shown that you couldn't trust, you know? So we're just being told this thing. Right. So now it comes up and now we're okay. So now this is what you're, going to talk about this episode. This is what this is really going to be about. um, And the stake of like, okay, very clearly, like, here's the thing. We need to destroy it. Like, if we can't get it, we need to destroy it. We need to make sure that they cannot get to Thrawn. Like, it's very clear, like what the goal and the stake is mm-hmm. for Ahsoka and things like that. I don't think there's ever uh, any tension for us as viewers that Sabine is, Going to struggle with this, you know, because again, as you said, it's like it's very clear that she wants to get to Ezra. It's very clear that this is going to be important to her. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that, in essence, she's kind of like lying to Ahsoka. Yeah, you know, and um, and that we don't trust Sabine. <laughs> Right, you know, um, it, and I don't know what's going on there. If it's like the writing or the way that's set up, or
1: well, I don't. Yeah, I I was a little more critical last night, but I do believe it's because the show itself suffers from the weight of essentially seeming like a a, a direct companion to a pre-existing show, but still trying to be enticing and welcoming to people who have never seen that first show. Mm-hmm. So. Again, it's. I feel like Ahsoka has the potential to really explore interesting concepts mm-hmm. and like morality and relationships and and internal struggles, but they're not interested in doing that, or they're not able to do that because it it doesn't make sense under the confines of what they're trying to produce. Mm-hmm. So, for let's take Sabine and Ahsoka, if I have all of that back knowledge already maybe she could have played it more subtly and it could have we could have taken the ride, but we can't do that because we only have a, such a short amount of time and we have to immediately let everyone in the audience know that obviously this is like the intent and it has to be so yeah. clear because we don't have the time to go through and like slow burn reveal because technically it's all already been set up in an existing show. Um, so I think that's where I struggle a little bit. Uh, and again, I'm going to say similar to Star Trek, where it's like, unless you kind of have watched everything, the stakes feel more shallow. But if I, I feel that if I did already know Sabine and I took the journey with her through Rebels, maybe I would feel that it was a little more sincere and has more depth to it. Um, but again, I just I feel like they they're doing the best that they can with the show that they're trying to produce. So I can't, I can't be like angry at it, but yeah, it's like you have such wonderful, interesting concepts and you just like, we just don't have the space to dive into them. It's
0: the thing is, is I, I know that that's just to challenge it a little bit. Like I know that it could be done better. Um, Cause if you think about it, last of us, right? Like we didn't, no one had any, unless you played the games, you didn't have any pre existing things going on mm-hmm. there. Right. And then uh, I'm bringing it up because we're talking about things that we've talked about on the podcast. And then also because Shannon holds Last of Us in high regard. Um, and so she'll listen to me whenever I bring this up. So, the like, we have a whole time jump with Joel that we don't know what happened with him for like 20 years. And, but we know, like, immediately in the first episode, like, that Tommy's important to him, you know? And it's a very similar kind of situation. Like, he, Tommy's stuck. We haven't communicated with him, you know? And, he needs to get there you know and how do you represent that importance how do you show it you know um in like how uh, and this is a kind of a made up thing in the original game i'm going to say book whatever <laughs> in the original game he wasn't trying to get to tommy at first you know they whatever their relationship was they they had stopped being brothers so to speak they had lost contact with each other and they don't really know where each other are, right, and they change that for the show. Where now Joel, his first and only intent at the beginning is to get to Tommy, and then the and Ellie is a means for him to do that. And now it's the whole kind of show is directly tied into this idea, right? And we get that, we feel that. Yeah, you're right. I Immediately, I don't know if it's because we. S- you know we're part of the games and we love Tommy ourselves you know we did see like a prologue at least a little bit of uh um Tommy and and their relationship you know and and again the same way in the in the game you know but we have this 20-year gap and for some reason they're able to kind of fill us in on like what the relationship is like what they've done the past 20 years like where they are and why he wants to get to that you know and so it can be done. <laughs> yeah, It can be done. And I feel like there's ways to do it. I don't know what would have been the right decision here or sh- what they should have done, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well,
1: that's why I would agree. It feels like that's not, that's not what they're interested. That's not the type of show that they're trying to produce. It feels more like uh, a stereotypical Disney show where we're like, we're pimping out content. And essentially this content is going to lead to more content that you're going to watch later. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm being set up for the next thing that's coming out in Star Wars instead of actually examining like these relationships. But also, yes, guys, I do need to go watch Rebels. I'm going to do it. I promise. It's my next on my watch list. Um,
0: yeah. So we end this kind of like they do a fight. The concept all is length. good, though. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get more into it. Yeah. Because I, um, I don't dislike the ideas. It's just the exactly. way that it's being like set up. In in the essence where, like, it's being set up, but there was no, like, indication that, like, what that was, how mm-hmm. important that was, you know? Like, her looking at a hologram of Ezra doing his thing is supposed to give us all this information. I'm like, it's not, though. It did not. It's <laughs> not giving me that in the same way that other shows have been able to do it. So, um, anyway, they get attacked. Uh, we know that the droid... And some other people have been sent to kind of slow them down because we know now everyone kind of understands that the Jedi are here to stop these guys, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have to stop them. They, uh, you know, dispatch of the minions quickly, right? Yes. And um, but the now the ship is even more destroyed because Huyang had to do something to get their attention. Uh, even Which was
1: very clever, in my opinion.
0: Very clever, but also like, what is Ahsoka's? D- also connection with the force because it feels like a lot of times where she should be feeling or understanding something or whatever should be there, but it's just not, but whatever. Um, and then they dispatch it and then they leave. And there's this like moment where Hu yang stops them and says that just promise me one thing that you guys will stick together. It seems like you'll always do better that Stay way. Stay
1: together. You were always better that way.
0: Dialogue awkward pause. <laughs> awkward pause awkward look at each other and then you know we'll forge ahead together you know is what Sabine says I have to say like that is like the most awkward thing for me I don't know if it's like the chemistry between Sabine and Ahsoka just isn't working um or if again like you're saying something that we have no context for you know we haven't shown us like the theme of like stick together. I'm like, okay, great. You're saying it. So now I know they're not going to stick together. Now I know they're going to split up and I know that something's going to go wrong because you just, you just put this at the beginning of the episode yeah. and like, and brought a lot of attention to it, you know? And so very clunky personally in the, in the writing there. Um, but also like you're referencing things that we have not seen the idea that like you've always been better together. Like, Okay, maybe we saw this in Rebels. Again, we haven't seen Rebels, but for us as newcomers, like that just, we were, you're telling us and you're, it's not showing us. Like, yes, we saw them working together in essence, and you did love that moment mm-hmm. in the last episode where they're kind On of like and- uh, vibing together and figuring out how to like do this and stuff. And again, no stakes there, but whatever. Um, And we're, we clearly there's a relationship there, but we're just being told this, you know? So that's why it felt kind of awkward for me. Mm -hmm. And again, the stake not being there and the fact that like, now I know what's going to (laughs) happen, you know?
1: Part of me wonders too. um, We're really harsh on like stoic female characters kind of generally. And I've seen people on Twitter just saying that like, Oh, Ahsoka is a, very stoic character and because of past trauma, like she does keep people at arm's length. She is not very forthcoming with her emotions. And I'm wondering if, if part of that plays into the disconnect that we're feeling between these characters, obviously again, referencing the last of us, we see how it can work, uh, how you can tell that a character is intentionally being withholding and building walls for protection. Um, but how other people still affect them. And I feel maybe with Sabine and her bullheadedness and Ahsoka and her walls that if the writing and the execution isn't excellent, then it's going to read as like a, a lack of chemistry or or like not connecting in some way instead of as intentional character choices based on like past experiences. Mm-hmm. So just an interesting thought. But yeah, they get to.
0: Well, and then Sabine does a a, a little bow and she does her little thing. And also another thing I want to mention is I that that whole part kind of just felt awkward for the reasons that we said. But then also like that there was an interesting like moment where Sabine kind of showed like a character, you know, like a little bit of something there, like a little bit of life that is very different from what we've been seeing of her, you know, Um, like that little joke. I guess Uh, I was like, okay, great, so she's not just a. Ahsoka and Sabine are not just the same exact character, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, But also the moment was, again, kind of awkward because I felt like, oh, I feel like the scene would have worked better in animation. It would have worked better in Rebels.
1: Let's talk about that really fast. Should this whole thing just have been an animated series? I feel like the fighting would have worked better, the...
0: I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's really great to see things in live action because I do feel that people take live action things more seriously than we take animated content just kind of generally. Um, Even again, Star Trek, like lower decks, people like lower decks, but as soon as it became live action, it's like, oh, that has, it almost has like more weight. So I feel that way with Rebels too. It's like if we're making these things live action, then we're allowing Rebels to hold more weight for a, a wider audience. But there are some things where I'm like, this could have been a really cute Rebels 2.0, like an animated series. Uh, and things I mean, might if, have I mean, I wouldn't worked. be
0: watching it if that were the case. I'm not, I just feel like the scene itself, like some of these things maybe would have worked better in animation, um, but, and they're not, and maybe they're just not translating well, you know? And maybe that's just a, the way that like, how do we translate these things the live action you know and how the actors do things cuz the the actors are probably performing it very differently from the way that it was kind of written cuz you when you're writing for animated characters like you can you know how they're kind of deliver things yes you're going to have a voice actor that kind of puts their spin on it um but you can take that and still animate the character how you want them to act you mm-hmm. know and so that that extra like little bow that she does I was like where like where like is is Sabine supposed to be this like kind of like a little bit almost like perky like lively kind of young kind of character you know in, in as opposed to Ahsoka and we're not getting that because it's two actresses just kind of feeding off the energy of each other you know and and that's and so that like it's a little bit more subtle you know and not as overt and that mm. to me is where I'm feeling like I, mean, I wonder how this. Like was written and what it was, how it was supposed to play out, as opposed to like this awkward way that we get, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, as we move forward, I think that that more or less covers like the criticisms at the beginning of this episode because I Mm -hmm. feel like the rest of the episode, I feel like I'm good. So if you've checked out by now and you're like, oh, like stop criticizing my Star Wars, that's fine. I think I'm I'm more or less. I think you enjoyed what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Um,
1: So. As, as Sabine and Ahsoka head off into the woods to fight the next levels of baddies, we go, get to Hera, um, and we get to see that Hera said, fuck the system, and she's going to put together her little squad, and they're going to go find Ahsoka mm-hmm. and Sabine and help, and I have to say, you were excited, and I was excited Appa. to see Carson.
0: Appa. I'm sorry, I can never not. <laughs> but
1: um, I was surprised, as, of, along with you, that we didn't get to see Zeb, who apparently was in Rebels, and we saw Zeb with Carson, like, in the hangar, Yes, but then Zeb didn't come
0: along. It's a curious thing about where does this actually align with, like, the ending of The Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. Um, and Carson, I love I love seeing him here. Yeah. Uh, and I was, again, surprised to not see Zeb because as soon as I saw Carson, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And I s- assumed Zeb would be there. And I was like, yes, I was going to mm-hmm. say I was right. And it didn't happen. He wasn't there. Uh, that's not to say I love seeing uh, Carson. I love seeing Appa, uh, uh show up. Uh, and for anyone who's not familiar, if you haven't seen um, uh, Kim's Convenience, uh, you should probably remedy that. Fun Canadian, Asian Canadian show. Uh, um, granted the final seasons I haven't watched and a little bit mired in controversy considering is a whole lot of, uh, I guess race things that won't get into. So, but Appa is great. Loved him from that. I loved when he first showed up in the Mandalorian and I love seeing him anytime again. I'm glad that there's a character that can like continue like Mm -hmm. connecting these shows, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so really cool, really cool.
1: Yeah. We got to see, as you mentioned, uh, the ghost in yes, live action. I
0: think it might be. I mean, I know that we've seen ships like the ghost and we might have seen the ghost in the background of something before, you know, right. but this is the first time of seeing it up close. That she and she gets like, to star. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she
1: really is the focus. Yeah. So that's kind of fun, even though, again. And I have Jason's to... along
0: with, and Chopper.
1: I was just going to ask what you what you wanted. What do you think about her bringing her son along on an incredibly dangerous <laughs> mission? Honestly, I
0: love it. I feel like I, I would have been really disappointed, again, if it was. Uh, Because you can't make everyone happy. I feel like if she had been like, oh, yeah, he's back in daycare, you know, and like, oh, that's all we got of Jason. So he was just a glorified cameo. He's like, no, bring him along. And he does. Ah, I and. We, they they don't have that much to do in this episode. like near the end when he's like, "I have a bad feeling." Like that confirms.
1: I rolled to us my eyes.
0: That well it, it well it's a he's, I like it. He
1: says it after he watches half of their squad get defeated, and then he goes, "I have a bad feeling." It's like, child, you better you just watched murder happen.
0: Yeah, but that bad <laughs> feeling immediately leads. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of funny, but it also immediately leads to the Ahsoka and Anakin reveal and then the Darth Vader tune. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, what is what is he feeling? But also like, what is what does that mean? It's a good question. First of all, I'm not (laughs) we we know the joke about like uh every Star Wars has to have a I have a bad feeling about this. Mm -hmm. You know, And, and the shows haven't necessarily committed to that per se. And uh not that I recall. Um so it's great to have it here, but it's not finished. You mm-hmm. know, they don't give him the whole line. He doesn't say, "I have a bad feeling about this." He's just like, "I have a bad feeling," um and so there's a that's a very, a, just kind of an indicator of like, is it forced thing? Is it just you know, he something hit him? You know, after like going through that traumatizing thing, you know that like, sure, he he just needed to voice his feelings to his mother, you know, and, and the fact that it's not finished, you know, what does that say, you know, mm-hmm. um, about like the, the tone of this show or whatever and like how where it's going to lead, you know, or is it just like a quirky like, oh, we didn't give you the whole line, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who knows, right? Um, maybe people can read into that, maybe not. But you but did do read like it more that,
1: as like force.
0: I feel like that was a, a, a clear indicator that he's. He might be force sensitive, yes.
1: I, I agree. That's also how I took it. I just, again, I was like, my little dude, you better have a bad feeling about this because
2: yeah.
0: y- y'all getting fucked up. But also, like, in terms of, like, why he's here and not at a daycare somewhere or whatever, is like, I, I love that Hera, I, I hate, like, just sidelining kids. This is yes. a kid's show. <laughs> you know, the, this is for kids, and, like, we see a rare... Uh, uh, we see a lack of kids in Mm -hmm. these Star Wars shows. It's always about adults and adult things, you know? Um, And so I like that Jason's being brought along. I like that Hera is like, I'm not leaving you with people, one, that I'm not trusting right now. And then two, uh, um, as far away from me as you can, uh, because like you're my family and she has that sense of family. She has that sense of like keeping people together. You know, that's been clear the past few episodes where she wants to get Sabine and Ahsoka kind of together, you know, and she she wants people to be influenced. And I think it's important that we keep calling her the mother of the group, you know. Yeah. And you can't just be all these things and have all this advice and, and want all these things, but not have your own child along. I 100 so. percent agree.
1: As soon as I saw that Jason <clears throat> and Chopper were both there, I was like, that makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. If I was Hera, exactly. Those are the two people that I'm two people. Yes. Chopper's a person in my brain. Like those are the two that I'm bringing along with me Mm -hmm. and they're on my ship because like they, they are mine. So yeah, I, I did like that Jason was there. I hope that we get some shenanigans with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. That's about the extent of Mm -hmm. what happens with them. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So we know that the dark side force users are (laughs) trying to, uh, uh, establish the coordinates they have to bring the ring down i guess into the atmosphere after it's been fully built and now they have to get the coordinates from the map to go exactly where they need and how important that is um and it's going to take some time this is literally like just a, a plot element because we need a ticking a timer uh, a, a ticking clock uh, <laughs> yep. so again a little bit clinically done but like we get it we know what's going on here um uh, we also don't believe that they're not going to succeed because while how, why do you introduce this ring and introduce this idea if you're not going to use it, you know? Correct. Uh, the death star had to be used at least once for us to understand it. Um, but, uh, it, and the same thing here, I think we know what they're going to eventually succeed. So the mm-hmm. timer means nothing to me, but it's there. And so to hold off, uh, Ahsoka and Sabine from getting there and, uh, thwarting their plans uh we now uh run into shin and Maroc. Maroc uh in uh the inquisitor uh, or former inquisitor um i should say in the woods and we get two lightsaber battles
1: this beautiful parallel like fight sequence happening which i think is Wonderful. We have this like Samurai style fight with Ahsoka and Maroc. Yeah. Who I I loved watching like the patience of Ahsoka as she calculates. Like you watch his stance, the way that he approaches, the way he holds his lightsaber. She calculates that if she's patient that and like allows him to press her, that she'll be able to catch him in an error. And we can talk about how the lightsaber fighting looks, but again, I just love that she doesn't have to do a whole lot because she is patient. She's calculating. And he makes that one just like gentle misstep and one swing. And she's able to just get rid of like, yeah, them. I love that. This
0: is also like, I believe the only time we've seen something like this before is the Obi-Wan and Darth Maul battle in Rebels, mm-hmm. I believe. And where basically it's over in one swing. We do get a little bit more than just one swing, which is great. Yeah. I love the yeah, I- yeah. idea of going on. So yeah, if you want to focus a little bit on Moroccan Um, Ahsoka for a bit. I do love that also. Ahsoka's finally like using her lightsaber because her lightsaber hilts have a very distinct look compared to other lightsabers, and it has that curve to it, Mm -hmm. Um, and it is very samurai sword esque. Both of hers, right? And we've never seen her use different stances. So I loved is like when she, the the battle kind of first starts out. I think it's maybe here, maybe also in the Balin one. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. But um, where she starts off in one thing, and then they, you know, they're both kind of trying to feel each other out, and then she switches stances. Yeah, you know, that's the Balin fight. Yeah, um, and I love that we're finally getting to see her use those lightsabers um in different ways, and to showcase like why it that works well for her and what how it changes her fighting style, mm-hmm. you know, and how she can switch back and forth, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, really. Cool stuff there. I, uh, I, you know, we not breaking down the fight so to speak, but, um, uh, yeah, that last final moment I felt like was like a great way to kind of homage the Obi Wan Darth Maul thing, mm-hmm. uh, especially again, uh, tried it once in animation, let's try it again in live action, see if we can do the same thing, and it and it worked pretty it well works. here. Um, but also, what the heck? <laughs> Happened to (laughs) Morak.
1: I believe. Okay. And I, again, I'm not sure if this is true, but everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I'm very interested in the Dathomir Witches. So, the Dathomir Witches can reanimate Night Brothers, and they essentially Mm. become, like, undead minions. And I do believe that when they die, they disperse in that green... Like vibe. Okay, interesting.
0: Because I've never s I have never I do I'm not aware that we've ever seen this happen. But again, I never watched Rebels. I was gonna say, if yeah. we and
1: maybe I'll Google it. If we do, mm. I suspect it's in Rebels because I know that there is an undead army in Rebels. Mm. So I'm I'm piecing two and two together based on like knowledge that I have from trying to play a Night Sister in d and Rebels knowledge. So if I had to guess that he's more than likely a reanimated Knight Brother that's just doing uh, Morgan's bidding. Mm-hmm. But another interesting idea is that w- we reference him as an Inquisitor, mm-hmm. and all Inquisitors are fallen Jedi. So that means that this person is also the first Inquisitor to like actually not be a Jedi if he's a Knight Brother. Which is kind of interesting, I don't know if that holds any weight, but it's just the idea like Knight brothers are not Jedi, obviously mm-hmm. um so that's a, a cool little it's like oh this random this random dead body is like fighting with the same ferocity and and force and focus as someone who trained as a jedi
2: mm-hmm.
1: is, um, which is kind of interesting ramifications, but that is my that's my educated guess on why he explodes in green
0: yeah, it's definitely not like a Force thing, in no. my opinion, because it, you usually when we see someone kind of disappear or something, it's like a it's especially on the light side of the force, you know, like that someone does that. Um, we've never seen I mean, of all the dark side people that we've seen fall, we've never seen them disintegrate or something or even something similar happen that like happens with Obi-Wan or or uh, other characters when they're force. Um, when they kind of disappear into the force or whatever, right? Or even Yoda, whenever he dies. So it's definitely not a force thing that I can tell. So I feel like that's a good theory as anything. Especially the fact that Morak was very committed and loyal to um, Morgan, mm-hmm. not necessarily a part of or a in cohorts with um, Shin and Balin. He's you know he just seemed to be kind of like working uh for Morgan more than anything. So that probably would make sense to me if she had some sort of night sister magic to keep him doing his thing or whatever.
1: Okay, here we go. Um I'm reading I'm skimming a nerdist article that just says um uh he he emits green smoke from his chest. This is not what happens when other night sisters or night brothers die. For example, Darth Maul did not emit green smoke when Obi Wan killed him in Star Wars Rebels. That being said, the expulsion of green magic only happens to those who are given Night Sister magic. Mm-hmm. So um, that there, they continue to say that perhaps he was
0: reanimated. Reanimated.
1: Yeah. So interesting okay. idea. Um,
0: I again, I if, weird that they just kind of gloss over it and don't give us anything. Yeah, you know, like an answer. Um, it seems that Shin takes notice of this. I don't know if she's just like, oh, now he's gone. Like I'm scared because ahsoka clearly dispatched of him so easily you know um it doesn't matter because she's gonna go off and and sabine says like i'll uh don't worry i'll take this like i Mm -hmm. got this ready was that the other time that you rolled your eyes or was that a shockingly
1: no (laughs) but mostly because i was anticipating going back and watching the episode a second time and taking more notes on all the times i rolled my eyes sure um but so let's Let's then follow that energy. Yeah, the Sabine so, and,
0: and Shin fight. Um, um, we
1: both were like, oh, this looks good. I
0: think the thing to me especially, I, I think they're all good fight scenes. I think they're all very different. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, even the Balin and Ahsoka one is very different. But I think what also we're getting here is the fact that not sh- no shade on uh, um, Rosario Dawson or Never. Ray Stevenson. I think Never. they did a great job. But now we have two younger actresses uh a little bit more nimble so to speak um uh getting to uh do some cool fight scenes and uh, uh show their little bit of uh um uh, uh how, how how good their bodies are i guess in the in, in essence you know yeah. it's something that you are uh very yeah it, as a the, stunt person the control
1: yeah. over kinetic energy and you're correct this is not shade against any older actor or stunt person oftentimes just the younger you are, the easier it is to do crazy shit with your body. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen and have met excellent people older than me that have better control over their body than I do. So again, we're not shitting on like the age here, but I think you're right. It is fun, especially, or I would say in particular, I love watching Shin. Um, Sabine is, is, is fine and great, and she does a good job as well. I like when Sabine uses more of her Mandalorian fighting power versus, like, her Jedi power. But there's something about the way that the actress who plays Shin, like, moves her body. She she kind of, like, prowls. I don't know. Yeah, she she very much feels like a predator and, like, she's calculating. Her movement is always just kind of, like, it's fluid because it's ready and it'll snap as soon as you, like, come at that direction. So... I would like to hear maybe more about how she trained or if she trained or if she actually secretly used the stunt double the whole time, I would be super upset. But like, I love watching her physicality because I think she really takes like the Shin character and physicalizes it through her fighting. Mm-hmm. Cause that's really, I would argue how we know Shin best is through the like fight scenes we get with her. We don't really get like dialogue often with Shin. So yeah. you learn a lot about her through her physicality. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of, um, kind of anger propelling her. Um, in essence, like she's definitely like out for the kill. Yeah. You know, she's hungry. Um, absolutely. So th- in that way that you said prowling and fi- wanting to get her prey, you know, this, this is, this is important to her. And I think she, that anger goes into like the fact that this person who's not even force sensitive is able to keep toe to toe with her, yes. you know? Um, do you think, I? this is an interesting element because, and one of the only few things we can really talk about, the fight scene was cool. Yeah, it was. I think. I'm glad that I helped defend a little bit of the fight scenes mm-hmm. uh, in the previous episodes. I think that we're getting some cool lightsaber battles, and I thought this one between them two was just really awesome. Uh, but the only, only real big moment to talk about is uh, near the end of it when uh, Sabine holds her hand out and in either to stop the attack um, or as a fake out or to actually try and use the force. Mm-hmm. Do you think she used the force there? No. No.
1: I think, and again, great moment, because mm-hmm. regardless, she she did it. So we can see that it, like, it occurred to her to give it a try. What I think happened is only because of the look on shin's face afterwards i think that shin clocks that she's like gonna use the force and it almost looks like she braces herself or like she's trying to get ready to anticipate what she's gonna do and then she gets that like evil kind of like malicious smirk on her face which led me to believe that either uh sabine did not succeed at all or it was so meek and tiny that shin was like that's that's what you got. That's all you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And then Sabine, boom, Mandalorian. She gets her with her wrist darts. So to me, that again plays under a concept we talked about last week with Sabine shines when she is doing like what she is actually excellent at. I'm not shitting on her for fighting with a lightsaber or trying to use the force, but ultimately she seems most successful when she is using her like Mandalorian prowess. Yeah. So what did you see it as more of a success or how did you read into that moment?
0: It's hard to say because at, First, I was like, great, this was a good, it can be read in so many different ways to me. Uh, this is the moment that I wanted probably the last episode when I was like, why didn't you just try? Mm-hmm. You know, people kind of got on to me um, for that one because they're like, what, you know, it's only the third episode or whatever. Or like she wasn't, she wasn't a depth of the force. So she wouldn't even bother trying. I was like, I still, to me, like the idea of like, if that was the theme, Like, just try. You can fail. Mm -hmm. I didn't need her to succeed in, like, doing it or whatever. I feel like you just needed to try. So I like that this moment happened because at least she tried. Yes. I want to say that what Star Wars has taught me, and that's where I might either have a problem with it or not. But what Star Wars has taught me is, like, when you do that and there's a sound effect and you can hear the low rumble of a force thing happened and when shin recoils that she did use the force there that it was not enough clearly but that it happened but it if that was like and it felt like shin's reaction was having gotten hit in the face with something you know because to me if you're going to react in like someone doing that and thinking they're about to use the force. I feel like her stance would have been different. It wouldn't have been like, turn your face. That would be the wrong way to react. You're, you're flinching. You're not like putting up a defense, you Mm -hmm. know? So it feels like that it was unexpected and it wasn't just a flinch. It was, I got hit in the face. Mm -hmm. That's what star Wars has taught me. But, and if that's not the case, if the sound effect didn't mean anything or she didn't have any force powers and that was just like a flinch, I would be disappointed because you're putting these things in there, you're 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 putting the sound effect there. I didn't catch didn't the happen. sound effect, so yeah. that's
1: probably my error. It was
0: very, very slight. It was very okay. you know, I'm saying like if you're gonna put it there, that means that you're using the force. Yeah. I do not wanna see if you do something and it doesn't and no sound effect happens. You've already trained me to believe, to expect that that was like a forced thing. So that's why I think it was. Well, I can. Yeah, I
1: can adjust my statement then. I did not hear the sound effect. So I I assumed then that it didn't work. So I read into Shin's body language differently. But even then, I think we can agree. I agree that
0: that, like you you can read it as it was just a react like her, like Shin's reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Sabine's reaction. And then also Shin anticipating and thinking, I don't think that's the right move to make. You right. know, if physically, if that's the case. Um, but if that was the case, I feel like it could be right in that way that there was no force used at all, and that was her anger coming yeah. through. Um, and again, to me, would be annoying because you, I can't trust the narrator, in essence, because you put a sound effect in yeah. there, and you like, I'm not sure. Like, did she use her? Did she not? Right. You know. Um, and especially because, like, at the end, it ends up being like a a, a great way to just stop the fight and then use your thing you mm-hmm. know and uh, a clever way for her to get out yeah. of it and also again if this is what i i i want to, to happen which is to her to start believing and then maybe just try to use the force did it kind of come out of nowhere yeah like was it uh, i could it have been like seeded a little earlier probably but that's what it should have been it's like she she tried yeah and i it liked failed, it failed yeah. you know and especially in the heat of something happening um I feel like Sabine is at least learning like when it's useful and when it's not that kind of thing, you yeah. know? Um, but also she is able to hold her own without needing it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so a great fun way to kind of subvert the expectation for Shin if that was also the intention, yeah, you know? But yeah, I love that look on Shin's face. Like there's yeah. clearly something going on with her. I don't know what it is, but she is, she is angry. She is yeah. angry about a whole lot of things, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And even more so, like, creating that connection between her and Sabine. I like that we keep having these moments of, like, between her and Sabine. And it's clear that, like, that's going to come to a head later yeah. on. As opposed to, like, introduce these two female characters, both clearly supposed to be reflections of each other. But then they never meet until, like, the final climax. Yeah. So, like, okay, here, the, you get uh, your fight scene, you know, like, I, I yeah.
1: want, I know, I know the show is called Ahsoka. Yeah. I am so interested in Shin. And I really do feel that if I had more information about Shin, I would feel that she was on a direct parallel journey to Sabine. hmm. Um, I, I'm almost like, is that the more interesting show? <laughs> is that, is that the more interesting idea to explore? Um, yeah. And, and you're right. I think tying them together, I keep saying like, we don't actually spend a lot of time with Shin. She's mostly like all big eyes and fight scenes, but you learn so much about her character through the way that she fights. Again, we talk about like the, the stalking, the anticipating, like she's a cobra, she's ready to strike. She never feels like she's on the back foot ever. Even when maybe Sabine is pressing. She never feels like she's being taken advantage of. And I think that speaks a lot to like her training and her mentality and her focus. And we also see a little later, like with the force choke and the way that she gets angry, you can tell that anger is something that is deeply seated in her. It's in the, in the like, what's the D word I'm looking for. I'm going to use disgust, but I don't think that's what I'm searching for. The disdain maybe that she has for Morgan. There's just like, there's like a, I don't
0: think it's just Morgan though. Like I right. there's like this idea that she is the good word, like this disdain for a person being better at her at something. Like you know? the only person She's, we
1: don't see her do that with is her mentor, Balin. She never looks at him with disdain or disgust. Like he says something, she reacts and she goes, but everyone else gets that like, Almost, almost, maybe like I'm a little bit better than you, and if you prove me wrong, like I'm gonna skin you alive. And yeah. I like that energy from her because it's mm-hmm. dangerous. And on on the alternative, Sabine, I don't know if she's meant to feel this way because we introduced her kind of the, as this like bright fire with the hair, and she she's a rebel, and and now she kind of seems like she's a little insecure. She's actually kind of all over the place. She's not confident in her abilities. She keeps trying to find like where she fits in. And the, the alternative to that is Shin, who's just, like, locked in every time we see her. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. And I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off as you continued. But no. I just, yeah, that, that disdain in Shin, like, it means something. And it motivates her. And I'm so interested in, like, what is that? And where did it come from?
0: Yeah. I, I want to talk more about that when we get to Balin. But I do want to say that shout out to the um, wardrobe. Because I just love the design of Shin and Balin. This goes for both yeah. of them. Uh, the the pauldron she has, the kind of like a little bit of armor she has on her arm. um, Just super cool design. Again, this idea that's like, yeah, it's dark clothing. So like they're a little, they're not like light Jedi or whatever. But it doesn't feel that way to me. It doesn't feel like I'm Sith, like I'm going to wear dark clothing mm-hmm. kind of thing. It feels practical and it feels like design is very specifically just kind of this the style that they've taken upon themselves, you know, doing something new. I don't know what it is, like what, what it's supposed to be saying or whatever, but I'm just loving the design of the the costumes and things. They
1: they look, they look incredible. Yeah. And I, I would like to continue exploring that of why do you think we're so drawn to Shin and Balin? Like generally when we have positive things to talk about in Ahsoka, we're like, Shin's really cool. Or like this beat with Balin is really interesting. Why do you think those two characters are so intriguing to us
0: or good, to you? Because good characters aren't interesting. Protagonists are are inherently and especially in these kinds of stories, like we, in essence, like the same way we're drawn to like Han Solo and not Luke Skywalker, you know. And and I know people love Luke Skywalker because they they put themselves in that. Like we want to be the the Luke Skywalker. We yeah. want to be the. But the more interesting characters are not the good like.
1: The good main guy. The
0: lawful, good yeah. characters. You know, they're never um, that because it is inherently interesting because humans are complex and uh, um, we're always interested in what the the motivations are for uh, characters, uh, bad characters, selfish characters, whatever it is, you know, and especially justifying like what their actions are, you know, and then seeing ourselves like, Empathizing to be able to take their side, it's not hard to empathize with Sabine and you know what I'm saying. Like right. we we get it. We get like it. they're good. Like we know what they're going to do. We're not surprised by them as opposed to like we're surprised by Sabine. Uh, I'm sorry, Shin and Balin mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And we're interested in that mystery about like what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. Like why are they the way they are? What is actually driving them and their motivations? Um, I don't think they'd be as interesting if it was just okay, you're just a bad guy who like monologues and says like, I want to take over the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we haven't met Thrawn yet and what his motivations are, but like, yeah, I'm not as interested in like Morgan or Thrawn no. right now, you know? And it's like, it's not because they're not these clear cut. I'm sorry. Balin and Shin are not these clear cut, you know, bad guys. You yeah. Know? They're not represented as just straight up like what your quote unquote evil character is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and again, in feeling that mirror relationship out, they almost uh, make that uh, the themes of Ahsoka and Sabine more prevalent because of how they're being represented. Because the more that we are interested in these two characters, the more that we learn about how our two protagonists are like um, do things you yeah. know? and what they're going through. Uh, so yeah, there's whole probably a whole lot of reasons, but that's I guess yeah. my theory. Yeah, uh, if I'm gonna theorize about anything, like that's it's my gonna th- be
1: about why we like these characters.
0: Um, so yeah, that's probably it.
1: Well, that's great. That sews perfectly into the fact that our last fight is between Balin and Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and this is where what you were referencing earlier, both of them, just kind of circling, feeling each other out. There's no rash movements happening Mm -hmm. someone takes a stance and then there's a a shift a response Mm -hmm. it's like it's like waves of energy and I like it because I know that the the motivation for this fight is not to like kill or arguably even injure the other person it's to either get to the map or to protect the map Mm -hmm. and the whole fight I would say a majority of the fight is blocks and fainting and that makes it fun, too, because that's where you get some of the flourishes that do make sense because you're trying to, like, get in your opponent's head and get them to, to take the misstep that you want them to take so you can gain the upper hand. And I love we see Ahsoka uh, dispose of Maroc with her patience, and then we see her matched with someone who can also, like, sit in the pocket and wait mm-hmm. and, and anticipate so I really liked this scene too, even though it was less, I would say like flashy yeah. kind of, you know what I mean? But he,
0: I enjoyed it. What's interesting is like Balin, <laughs> he he's doesn't seem as like interested in like doing this before the battle starts. Um, Even though I think he is, there's, when it comes to, you know, quote unquote evil characters as we just kind of talked about, right? They have this idea of, like egging on the protagonist, you know, how do I get into this person's head, throw them off even before the battle starts. And he does that. He's clearly, and there's a element of like, what do we believe of what he's saying? Like, should we believe of what he's saying? Because is, is it, is he just saying this to get under Ahsoka's skin to throw our off before the battle's already started? Or is he actually believe this stuff, you know, that she is like, Whatever he says about, like, uh, Anakin and and her and, like, that she is. The
1: fourth thing that made me roll my eyes. What was, is it? Anakin spoke highly of you. And she goes, funny, he never mentioned you. Yeah, I was sure. like, oh, sick burn.
0: Yeah, it felt like a writer, <laughs> intern writer, like, oh, I've heard this before, you know, like, <laughs> kind of situation. This will work well here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I mean,
1: it was cute. I get the energy, but there is. Um, I feel feel—I feel
0: bad because I didn't go back and like listen to all he was saying. Um, That was what I wanted to rewatch this and, yeah. and like get like what was going on. But to me, it was still clear that this idea of like digging at Anakin, digging at who she is, yes. digging at like what where she falls. She doesn't fall far from the tree kind of situation it was mm-hmm. mostly just to like piss her off, you know? get her angry because we know that that's what happens you know Mm -hmm. like how how can I do this right but also there's this feeling of like this little bit of element of like believing that you know so I'm not exactly sure how much of that was kind of true for him and his belief.
1: It seems tying what he does to Ahsoka into what he will later do to Sabine like he uses the force to like up his like empathy and emotional understanding of like how he can get into a person's like psyche. So I, I am inclined to believe what he's saying because it seems that it does resonate with Ahsoka in whatever mm-hmm. way. So I, I think there is depth and truth to what he's essentially picking at in order to get a response. But the reason it gets a response he wants is because it holds some level of like accuracy and sincerity. Yeah. Um. I also wish I would have went back and, and got, a better understanding, but you're right. I know it's it really have, gets to we, the core to, of the relationship. To clarify, that they we had. don't.
0: We set a time where we were going to record, and Shannon was working, so like we don't have time to like rewatch it, you know, beforehand because of our our schedule. Yeah. So,
1: but um, following that, I would say well, before, Ray Stevenson is incredible. Yeah. Also, I think which is maybe another reason why we like Balin so much is because that actor seemed to do so much with so little. -hmm. In a way that, again, I'm like, oh, if Ahsoka is this stoic character that's going through trauma, like, why am I not connecting with her? But I'm connecting with Ray in like these, these like little eight second shots of his face. I'm like, man, there's, there's like a storm going on in there. There's something happening like behind those eyes that he's quelling and calculating and like moving through. And I can see that in that actor's performance. Mm -hmm. And it's really enticing because even in his moments of stillness, like there is activity just constantly happening for him. Mm-hmm. And I would like to celebrate and lament the fact that like, we won't have him after this season. Yeah, and He's such a strong, like important part of this story to me that now the more time I get to spend with him, the the more upset I am that we won't get to discover more of him.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't know what his fate will be at the end of the season either. So I'm right. not exactly sure. Um, Uh, and yeah, and he has this conversation again, both with Ahsoka and Sabine, uh, that again leads us to believe that he's not, he's doing this for different reasons. He's talking about creating, you know, he's like, you got to destroy to create, you know, and he, it's not. I don't know that he believes in being like this evil. Like, like even though he said like we get power, there's something else. I he's trying to create his new order. I think Shin is a part of that. I think Shin is like he is doing. Oh man, he is amazing that he talks about Anakin and how like how much of a descendant Ahsoka is from Anakin. But it almost feels like he is trying to take on that mantle in essence, you know. And I don't know also how much that comes from like Dooku and other stuff and the way that they wanted to do things. He's just trying to do like a new order. You Mm -hmm. know, he's, he's understands. And again, this is where the intrigue of like evil characters is like, is he wrong that you have, like sometimes you got to destroy something to create? Isn't that what the rebellion did? You know, they destroyed it to create something new. And he's like, we, this is not unheard of. He's also trying to do the same thing. And in order to bring about, something that he deems as good as he tells Sabine like is he wrong in that you know it, that he needs someone else to like help in that yeah um and especially when we've seen that like the republic sucks yeah <laughs> they're not good at this no um and they're not going to be good at it and so the republic is just ultimately going to be like a a lesser evil or whatever you want to say about Mm -hmm. it. Like it's hard not to kind of understand where he's coming from. You know, I love though that when she ignites the lightsaber and he just looks kind of tired, you know, and he's like, Oh, how inevitable, you know, that Mm -hmm. this always for him, like he could sit here and talk about it all day. He can trade words or whatever, but of course that's not the Jedi way. In his view, the Jedi way is we're going to talk with our laser swords. Yep. And he doesn't like that. He hates it, you know, but he's going to do it anyway because Mm -hmm. that's where this always ends up going. And how clear it is that Ahsoka is still following the same path that she has been and has not deviated and is, you know, you could be doing this in a different way, Uh, but she's still, she's still, she can't escape it, mm-hmm. you know? And at, at first, that like line was like interesting. It was like, I, that's a weird way to react. But there's, to me, the layers of what that said, yeah. you know, was clearly there. And then they fight, and then the whole thing happens. And so. then they fight. <laughs> and, yeah. um, which is funny is that is, uh, kind of an inside joke uh the the line and i believe the original script for like phantom menace for the whole um uh battle of the fates duel of the fates scene with darth maul or whatever in the script it was just they fight (laughs) so (laughs) that was it (laughs) um and yeah so here they fight um there's one like moment where i'm like like a little awkward for me uh again we enjoyed this fight for the most part but then there's like a moment where uh, ahsoka goes and like jumps off of a rock and it feels kind of again it's more rosario dawson doing it and less ahsoka doing it and i'm like what that's a weird like why didn't they like have her flip or do something you know or whatever and it's because they want the actors actually do mm-hmm. something i'm sure um but that felt awkward to me it felt superfluous or whatever but for the most part like everything else is kind of working for me yeah there's that also added element that they add where she's trying to get to the map and trying to destroy it and he's clearly just trying to protect it so yeah and there's the changing of stances or whatever Mm -hmm. um and then
1: when shin comes back and yeah i was gonna say when they
0: when they're stopped and she's at the cliffside and she's clearly kind of losing yeah um shin comes back and
1: and that, that anger mm-hmm. like overtakes Ahsoka and she just like slams Shin into the fucking rock. Oh yeah. Which I think is great because we keep touching on like our Balin and Shin, kind of our parallel journey to Ahsoka and mm-hmm. Sabine. And it's like, mm. oh, we get to watch we get to watch both parties kind of deal with what would happen if their apprentice is is like hurt. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, I, it doesn't feel that she was just trying to, like, dispatch Shin. It's like it was personal. So I'm not just trying to make sure that you don't come fight. It's like I'm trying to get you the fuck out of the way uh, because her coming back in her mind means that Sabine is dead. So yeah. it's, it's personal. And, and it holds she doesn't weight. know.
0: Again, uh, did you know, she's a little bit incapacitated in the sense that, like, she's dealing with, like, a lot of things right now, so maybe she can't sense Sabine in the Force, you know? It feels like that you would have... Especially how often, like, Force users feel something when their companions or someone else goes down, you know? Like, they no longer sense their presence or whatever. um, That she would have already known whether or not Sabine was alive. So, again, fudging a little bit of the Force and, like, when it uses... But she is incapacitated, so I can forgive that, whatever. But, yeah, there's a clear anger about what happened, but also like regret. Mm-hmm. I feel like regret that she brought Sabine along, that she uh, uh, allowed herself to get so close to her or whatever. And again, that attachment, again, this weird, this is non-Jedi way because the Jedi, you're not supposed to feel attached, but she knows that she's going to, she got attached to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Anakin got attached to her. Like that attachment is a big part of like this non-traditional line of Jedi, mm-hmm. you know, maybe why she was avoiding even having apprentice in the first place. and, I feel like there's that like pain and hurt and kind of um, disappointment in herself for having even allowed herself to leave Sabine when she knew she wasn't ready, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that anger really manifests there and ends up being her kind of downfall or whatever. Yeah. Uh, in essence, but also Sabine does show up. So it it's short lived mm-hmm. kind of wish they didn't have that, reconnection I wish like if Ahsoka was gonna like fall off the cliff I will, I wish that Sabine would have also believed that like Ahsoka had been dispatched before she got there you mm-hmm. know Um. what do you think do you, or um. how do you feel like the moment was fine having them like realize each other was still alive or I
1: think if it would have played <laughs> better I would have liked it better yeah Um. this is another comment I made while we were watching it that I like I don't always believe Sabine, which can be for a plethora of reasons, as Matthias was explaining, like with like director choice or takes that we're using or like what someone tells you how to experience. So whatever that means, I did not feel the weight of losing Ahsoka as sure. Sabine. So it's like, oh, does the moment before work? No, because the moment didn't work. For me. I didn't believe that she really felt like that loss and that Ahsoka was gone. And unfortunately, that then like bled into how I saw the rest of the scene. But I think what they want me to feel is the the joy of realizing like your mentor is still alive and your apprentice who you just had like a whole cycle of thinking that, you know, you failed another person and you don't know what you're doing with your life mm-hmm. and everything is directionless. And then you see her and you're like, wow, like that moment matters to you and it lights you up. But mm-hmm. I, as a viewer, did not feel that connection. And therefore the weight of watching Ahsoka fall off the cliff, again, also with it being um, I feel like, not super high stakes. I like yeah. don't believe the stakes either. Like Ahsoka's not dead, That's so I don't thing. believe it.
0: <laughs> Ahsoka's a title character in the show. So um, she's clearly not going to die. Also, when have we ever seen a Jedi or Sith uh, go over a cliff alive and not survive it <laughs> so uh, a fall from a height or whatever maybe we've seen some that were dying mm-hmm. or dead when they went over like this this great height um but if they were still alive it, more likely they're going to survive it so right. it's unfortunate that star wars has not again trained us to believe that so unfortunately i guess sabine hasn't seen star wars so yeah she's not aware of the rules so, that's okay um, we'll forgive it But we are definitely not under the impression that Ahsoka is dead, so the the stake is like really weird there. I felt like it would have been better had she gone over before Sabine arrived, Um, because I feel like the conversations about Anakin and apprenticeship and all that kind of stuff is going to come to the next episode with maybe Ahsoka actually voicing what's going on through her head, actually voicing her struggles and actually voicing like her doubts and all that kind of stuff to Anakin. Probably... And like how he dealt with her in the same way. I don't know, but I'm assuming that's going to be part of the conversation. And if Ahsoka had gone over that cliff, still believing Sabine was dead and still holding on to those doubts and that kind of stuff, it felt like it would have been stronger. <laughs> yeah. So um, even if Ahsoka we knew was going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Sabine, uh, she does have that, I guess, moment. And, and I'm, we know that Ahsoka's not dead, but I guess Sabine is supposed to believe it, but yeah, it doesn't, the moment doesn't, it's like, okay, it's Sabine, like stop being so dramatic. Like she's fine, you know, in, in our heads, but um, yeah, you didn't believe the like line reading, but also like the stake is there of the idea that like, now she has the power. She can destroy the thing. And, uh, Balan's trying to talk her out of it in his little manipulative way. Which I think is, is again, really working, but I don't believe for a second that Sabine is going to shoot that thing. There was never any stake there, you know? Um, and there's not even, like, a sense of loss for Ahsoka. It, it becomes more about, like, Ezra as well and what she's going through in the theme. So, like, there's a weird disconnect there of, like, why we even needed to, like... Like, what is going on through her head? Like, is it supposed to be, like also having lost Ahsoka, but it doesn't feel that way. And but also we just know that they're going to get this map and they're gonna finish downloading the coordinates. Like why are we even having the stick there, you know? Well,
1: I'm curious about how Balin knows so much about like Sabine's history because the the feeling he chooses to pick at to get her to break is the fact that her family were eradicated on like some battle on Mandalore I think, and that Ahsoka played a role in that.
0: Um, I sure. And I don't, I don't know the that great I
1: purge of Mandalore. There it is. And that, so the, what I got from that specific, like two lines was that maybe Sabine had tried to like, warn Ahsoka or maybe Ahsoka didn't take the threat seriously or there's something there that Sabine is able to redirect some of the responsibility onto Ahsoka and that's why they are no longer... Like, that's what broke them up initially, too.
0: Um, I don't know that I caught that, but I also don't know that he's gotten uh, that personal uh, with her except for mentioning Ezra. I don't remember him mentioning Ahsoka having to do, and that could just be like playing on her own fears. You know, there's not the idea that like she could be thinking about, she knows what this means. She knows she, he knows that she's not going to destroy the thing because in her head, she might be thinking like, this is my last connection with Ezra. Just like thinking that Mm -hmm. clearly he has this idea, like he can feel it. He can sense it, you know, the same way Darth Vader, senses in Luke and when he says sister so you have a twin sister you know mm-hmm. um he got that from Luke's head it was just that little bit so Ezra mm-hmm. being there seeing her in Mandalorian armor and and knowing about the purge and that history is not that far fetched for him especially for someone who's so experienced in uh, uh orders falling and like the empire uh destroying like whole races and and who has the um, kind of who's in res- responsible for that or whatever. Like it maybe ties back to like how he in- inflates Ahsoka and Anakin kind of together, because that's a line that started with Anakin and who really was in charge of like the purge of Mandalore. I, Cause it, there's definitely no idea that like Ahsoka like had any personal contribution to the purge on Mandalore. It's definitely not like it's it. It would have to be indirect at best. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. Someone else can probably tell us uh, if there's any more connection there that we're missing. Yeah. But I don't believe that there's a direct reason for her to believe that Ahsoka had anything to do with that. But like if you see someone in Mandalorian armor and there's not many Mandalorians around and he would know who the Mandalorians are because of how prevalent they were during his time as the Jedi order and stuff like that. Yeah. Especially in the Clone Wars. Uh, and so I think he would be very familiar with the purge of and like know how to like push that, and understand again that Ezra, she is she is supposed to be under the impression we are under the impression that Ezra is her last remaining family. Yeah, that they got close, all those kinds of things. So I, no, I don't think that's very hard for him to read in her mind, and clearly yeah. he has a adaptability to do that. Yeah, to to sense other people's feelings.
1: Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. And if there is any of that, like, I, I think then him touching on any residual feelings in her of like, again, maybe not being taken seriously or or dismissed in some capacity for like warning signals she tried to raise to Ahsoka yeah. is that if Ahsoka's gone and she's holding this in her hand, she knows what Ahsoka would want her to do. Yeah, So she's battling with the idea of like, Do I, do I go for the greater good? Do I do what we talked about literally 45 minutes ago in this episode where she, where Ahsoka says like, if, if we can't have it, then no one can have it. Like it's important that nobody has the ability to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the perfect way to just be like, but did she, has she always been right? Like, has has that, for the greater good and, and no attachments, like, has that always actually been the right way to go? Yeah. Or don't you wish your family was still alive? Don't you wish you would have been taken seriously? Don't you wish you could see Ezra again? And yeah. Sabine is like, bro, fuck. Like, well, yes, and I And also,
0: like, what, what right does Ahsoka have? Like, you abandoned me and then you come back into my life and immediately tell me, like, Try and like take things away from me. Like, what right do you have to say that? Mm-hmm. You know, what right do you have? Like, well, you haven't been dealing with this for sure. Like, like I don't. You, we are. You weren't there with like when uh, uh, the entire time I was with Ezra and learning all the kind of So Like, mm-hmm. why? Well, yeah. What right do you have? You know, to show tell me what's important and what's not important? Yeah, to me. You know, so I can understand like those kind of feelings and fears and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Um, even though I don't believe that she's gonna shoot the thing, you know, absolutely, (laughs) yeah. The thing about Balin too that I'm learning is like these feel like again typical dark side user manipulation tactics stuff like that, but it doesn't seem as insidious because it almost seems like he does have a way of understanding what a person wants and how he can give them their desires. And to me, it seems that like, that's probably what originally happened with Shin when he found her, like as a person who's force adept or whatever. And clearly she wants something and he's like not manipulating her. He is doing exactly what he should be doing. is like showing you how you can get what you want, you know? And maybe there's a part of him that's disillusioned with the way that The Jedi used to do things before and it can be seen as like manipulative or it can be seen as like we shouldn't want things, you know, as Jedi or whatever. Like we are here for as knights to be like to to put others first and that kind of stuff. And and having done that most of his life, maybe this is why he's finally taking like what he wants. But again, like he's not wrong. You know, this might be her only chance to see Ezra. You know, he's being kind of logical about it and having read her feelings and peeked into that. So there's, it doesn't seem as insidious, you know, it almost feels like it's Shin is the one as when she chokes Sabine, that is the more evil leaning character, like the one that uses anger or whatever, who might be uncontrollable in herself. She's still a Padawan in that sense, but she's leaning more to dark side tendencies and is not, his it's not his way. He's not here to do that. He's just trying. He's I don't know, he's I don't know, trying his best. Like he's it's just the guy you know, doing his best, you know? Yeah. Is I, that, what are you reading?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's something, again, that's just so interesting about Balin, because when Sabine is being force choked by Shin, he tells Shin to stop. Not because like that's not our way. It's just like I give her my word. Like I told mm-hmm. her we weren't going to hurt her. Can you stop that shit? Like he doesn't necessarily mind the tactic it's just the fact that it goes against his like code of honor essentially so i think that's another thing that makes Balin really interesting is that he does obviously have some code of honor like he follows the rules Mm -hmm. i just don't know what those rules are Mm -hmm. because you're right that he doesn't necessarily scream like full dark side he's obviously not light side but he has a code of conduct that he is constantly like upholding for himself which I think makes him an interesting character. And it's almost like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get what I want. And here's how you also benefit from that. It's like, yeah, you give me the map. We're going to go to where Ezra literally is. Mm -hmm. Your, your person's gone. We are your next best option. Why would you not take advantage of that? Mm -hmm. I think is just, Yeah, he's like, oh, for the greater good? He's like, come on. You want to see your family? Let's go see your family. And for Mm -hmm. a a brief moment, my hope was that Sabine handing over the map was a tactic. Up until I saw her in handcuffs, I was hoping that... Also, I didn't realize they were going to plug the map in, and then they were going to be like... It was one second, and then they had the coordinates they needed but I thought it was a tactic by Sabine to like get them to open the map so she could see or maybe get an idea of where they were going and then that she was going to try to destroy it. And it's like, no, she really just is living in that moment of like, OK, well, soka is gone. We don't know where Hera is. And she, these are her two options. It's either probably get force choked by Shin or follow her one hope at seeing Ezra again. So, of course course that's what she's going to choose but for yeah for a brief moment i was like is she going to try to get out of this is she is she going to try to like get the upper hand here and like no she really just was resigned to be like there it is
0: yeah i mean what connection does she have here you know like if she does believe that ahsoka's dead you know and and ezra's out there and this is what you know like there's Mm -hmm. no what else is she holding on to so um, we'll see how that plays out. If she has any sort of clever things up her sleeve, but yeah, I do believe it just literally comes down to who she wants. To yeah, she she's believing Balin. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a little bit. Uh, the only like little manipulative or insidious thing is when he destroys the map himself. You know, because he's he he does agree with Ahsoka, No one should. <laughs> Have this, you know. I also uh, think
1: there's a part of him that maybe, like, if you don't see a body, you don't know if someone's actually dead or not. And he's like, if there's any chance that Ahsoka is gonna pop back over that cliff, like this map is not gonna be accessible to her, yeah, or to if like Hera or like, and no one can come follow us if I destroy this map. So Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: I'm with you. And that little moment of kind of resigning, uh, uh, Sabine to her fate. You know, she's not dead she's not even necessarily a prisoner she's almost like a guest along the way but like what she just did like the 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 power of that moment you know of, of being like oh now you're stuck with these people and your master's dead you mm-hmm. know and that how how that can feel you know and especially like he did the thing that you weren't able to do in in his in his own way you know mm-hmm. like he succeeded where like you've you failed, and and yeah, you're still kind of getting what you want, and but it is kind of a, a, a slap in the face almost, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and just kind of an interesting thing. And I just love the way he did it too. We mm-hmm. love the way he destroyed it, it was mm-hmm. just a really cool moment. Um, yeah, and then they take off, uh, as Hera and them arrive. There's another moment, I guess you will mention, where she's like, Hera. You know, she, no, you don't want to talk. That was the other, you're rolling your eyes now. It is. It's
1: another one. And it just connects to the fact that like, I don't, I don't, and I don't believe her. I don't believe when Sabine has his reactions to seeing characters she's supposed to care very deeply for. And I don't know why that is, but I do not believe it. It sounds like the director told her to say, Hera. And she went, Hera. And, like, that's what I got. <laughs> it,
0: it feels like a directed... Like, it's in the script or it's directed. Like, you got to do that. It feels very much like we just need this moment because maybe the audience won't recognize that it's Hera that's come to say, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? And just give us that little bit of connection, you know? Like, we need you to feel th- this. We need them, uh, the audience, to believe that it's yeah. a, there's some stake here. Um, so, yeah, whatever. But I do... the What did... What was something that was working for me, if it wasn't the Hera, her saying Hera was the fact that like the powering up of the hyperdrive and the way that it was sounding and like the, the, you could, the sheer power you could feel happening, you know? And then shout out again to the last Jedi for giving us a moment where a hyperdrive maneuver ends up taking out a whole bunch of star destroyer ships, hate that moment or plot hole it, whatever, be disgruntled, complain about it all you want. Like if it wasn't for that, there would have been no stake there for me Mm -hmm. about like seeing them in the direct line, us knowing that the thing is powering up and then them sensing the energy coming from that. And the moment in my head where I'm like, get out of the way, get out of the way, get out of the way, you know, only because of the, what The Last Jedi had done. Um, so I, to me, that was an effective moment, the way mm-hmm. that they shot it, the way that was happening, the, all the like the little elements and then losing two TIE fighters in the aftermath and then ending with, for me personally, like Jason being like, I have a bad feeling, you know, like that felt that was a, a good moment to me.
1: I did feel the gravity of yeah, like that machine. Yeah. I, I felt, I felt the weight. I felt its importance. Um, and it's not because anyone was saying the words like I've never seen something this dangerous and large. And it's like, I, they let me feel it in the way that it was shot in the way that like actors were reacting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I agree with you. I like that a lot. I did feel that tension. um, did anything else? So, so we have them. They they rock it off, and we're left with Hera, Carson, and one other Tie Fighter.
0: We don't know like <clears throat> like eh, who the other pilots are. I think they're just, they're just no names. Per, I, so I don't know how many Tie Fighters. I think we lost two, and there was like maybe six or uh, five. There's only I don't four. Know. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah. Um, I didn't count them. And again, it's like Carson's really the only one. He didn't die, so great. He's yeah. <laughs> you know we're we're glad he's there. Um, I'm assuming that their search is going to lead them to the uh, finding Ahsoka and Huyang's ship, and then mm-hmm. hopefully they'll all join the pergles and yeah. going also across the yeah. universe. But um, yeah, that um, I, I mean, there's an interesting element of again we talked a little bit about Jason and like he's in a d- dangerous situation and. And what's kind of going on there but like that bad feeling being for him like he just saw people die for the first time probably you know and how that should hold weight whether or not it will you know (laughs) in terms of like the Star Wars universe um, again to me is like for a kid to react in a certain way um, is not unheard of when you're just like you haven't been a part of war. He's definitely not been a part of war. Harry understands this, but you're bringing someone and you're introducing him to war and he doesn't know how to express that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that just, I feel like it, it feels like it should hold some weight, you know, in essence. And the final scene we get is a very, very quick scene. I wish it wasn't. I wish (laughs) they had just went ahead and delved into something of it before ending because it feels like an unearned cliffhanger, Mm. but we get Ahsoka, she wakes up uh, in the world between worlds, and she hears a voice, says, hello, Snips, as in snippy, Uh, nickname for her. And I, as soon as we were transitioning, I feel like I was, I was like, they're going to, they're going to do it. They're going to introduce... Instantly. I, it's, even before we saw Ahsoka's face, I was like, I feel like I know what's coming. And sure enough, Hayden Christensen is there as young Anakin. Uh, and and we get the Darth Vader theme, and we cut to black. Um, What do you think is going on? What is...
1: How much do you know about the world between
0: worlds? As much as anyone else, which is we know pretty much nothing. It is the nexus between time and space, and it kind of exists outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. And you can get through there through portals, and you know it can be manipulated, uh, in essence, because Palpatine has been searching for it and trying to get there, or I should say, Palpatine, Darth Sidious, is trying to get there and even attacked Ahsoka and Ezra there. At one point, and even manipulated them by showing them a vision of thinking that in his way of trying to get to the world between worlds and hasn't been able to get there. How the fuck um, do you know this? And that's how Ahsoka survived. Ezra originally uh when the last time she saw Darth Vader in his mask and fought him, she was about to die, and she did die. Except that Ezra, when he went to the World Between Worlds, Reached in and grabbed her and saved her and brought her into the world between worlds through like a portal. So she actually survived the encounter. And that's mm-hmm. why she's alive today. Mm-hmm. So that's what I know. But we don't exactly know that much. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know why Anakin's here, for instance. Like, is he a force ghost? You know, is he here? Is he technically here as Anakin? As like, from the Clone Wars Anakin, did he discover the world between worlds himself when he was younger? Like, is this supposed to be a younger version or is this like after he died?
2: hmm
0: You know, which version of this is him? You know, because it, it is not the same as like seeing Hayden Christensen in Obi-Wan where he was still playing a younger version of himself mm-hmm. in Obi-Wan in a flashback, but they didn't de-age him and i think he's de-aged here
1: he's obviously deaged he's here.
0: obviously de-aged <laughs> here i didn't want to like f- say for sure but so there's a reason for that is it because he's like a force ghost and he's uh, he's uh um you know he's taken on the version of him like at his peak you know which for some reason none of the others force ghosts do but i guess uh he does <laughs> right um uh, the version of Obi-Wan and the version of Yoda that we see at the end of Return of the Jedi or when they died. Whereas the version of Anakin is when he was, I guess, when he quote unquote spiritually died and became Darth Vader. You know, so mm-hmm. could, yes, does that work? I guess, you know. <laughs> and this is a version of him we're seeing here in my view. um, But... There was an article on Nerdist that talks about, like, is this really him? Because why else do we get that ominous Darth Vader theme at the end? So what does that mean? So I wanted to be him. I wanted to just be Anakin after he died.
1: As a Force ghost.
0: Yes. But I don't know what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the Force ghosts are, I guess, allowed to kind of do and appear whenever they want, however they want. So he's technically kind of like living forever through the force, I guess. So yeah. it's not, what are the rules there? I, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to necessarily be an insidious thing. I feel like if this is going to be a, this is like halfway through our show. So it's clearly like a midpoint. Something has to in a like change Ahsoka, you know? And I feel like that's what this is supposed to be. Um. But who knows that the, the, Futures, we don't know that much about the world between worlds. We don't know about what's going on with, like, why Anakin's here or if he should appear or like what's kind of going on with him after he died, you know. And and we don't know much about Force ghosts in general or when they can appear and who can they appear. We also don't know how Ahsoka got here, you know. Like what? Like did she technically die and get here? Like how did she? You know, was it a portal? What happens here or how it happened or whatever? So. There's a whole lot of things. Hopefully you're going to be answered next episode, but that's, that's just a bunch of questions, which to me is like a weird cliffhanger, you know, but, uh, uh, and unearned because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere personally. Uh, but it is cool. Fun to see. Mm -hmm. No, nothing thoughts.
1: I just, I don't know what it is. So (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the options are. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it meant that she died.
0: Yeah. I think, that, I think that would make sense
1: because if you can only access this place, either a as a force ghost or B, if someone who's already in it, cause we know that then you can be living and be pulled into it, mm-hmm. but you have to be pulled into it. So then who pulled her into it? And then is that implying that Anakin, Anakin. pulled her into it?
0: That's where, like, also, like, there's that idea of maybe he is physically there and this is him during that time period, which is why they would de age. I don't know. Like, I don't know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm just confused that what, why are we seeing Anakin as Anakin yeah. in this space Good in question. this way and then into the Vader? music. Absolutely. Like it means something and I don't know enough to even guess at what it actually means. But if the world between worlds is also sort of a nether world, then it would imply that the fall killed Ahsoka. And don't we eventually see Ahsoka in like white? Like get off the gray, get off the white. Like, don't we see Ahsoka make that transition too? Would that be achieved through death? Like, uh, I,
0: I, I feel like that is we, we can't, we can't talk about that because we have no idea what, if that, what that is. Because again, in animation, when he ended this, there's a whole lot of things that might be like quote unquote retconned. Like, mm. I don't know if the white thing actually means anything. Like when we saw that scene originally between Sabine and Ahsoka, like going off to find Ezra, that was like at a, that was at an epilogue for the rebels show. Yeah. And we didn't know we were going to see these characters again or whatever. So the white was supposed to be symbolic, but then we saw the exact same scene in the second episode of Ahsoka. And she wasn't in white. Mm -hmm. So there feels like a little retconning situation going on. And which is fine. I feel like a creator should be allowed to do that. Like we, we didn't know what it was before and now we're filling in some blanks. Yeah. Is she supposed to end up being what you're, I I should say like, you're not wrong in, in, in that theorizing and the fact that like, yeah, just like Gandalf the gray, is this an idea of like death to, to something, you know, was this a Balrog moment? I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Does she come back? Um, that's just the limited information I have. That's my guess. Also, I don't know if we are supposed to believe that she will be still become this white, like, or what that was supposed to be because it's, it's not, it's not technically. canon. (laughs) it's hard to say because like, I don't know if it actually happened or if it is going to happen because we saw moments differently and and, and the scenes differently and like what, If that's supposed to mean anything, you know, so it's like it's hard to say, but I do like the idea, what you're saying. Yeah.
1: So I think I think that's my gentle guess is that she's not dead dead. She is going through a cycle of like rebirth. And I was reading something. I apologize, I can't quote my source right now, but that Ahsoka plays with like time force already. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that since this what's it called, world between worlds yeah um is so much a concept of like being removed removed from space and time and that what happens happens because it's already happened or because it is what happens is like i really hope that there's something cool there with anakin not vader not some sort of like oh it was all in her head like i hope there is something happening right here can
0: i based on our conversation i I have like one other theory yeah, that what? might hopefully like tie it together. Another thing the last Jedi introduced us to was force projection. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like there's a possibility again that this is the um manifestation of like this is a real person, but it also could be um Because in the world between worlds, it could happen at any time. Right. It doesn't have to have happened at this time when Darth Vader is dead. And I believe that the last time we saw, like, again, Darth Vader and Ahsoka together, it was when they were battling and Mm -hmm. she she suddenly got saved and pulled through a portal. Right. And wouldn't that be intriguing to uh, a Darth Vader, you know, Mm -hmm. and Anakin, and not maybe at that point, not knowing about the world between worlds or whatever. And so there's an interesting idea that, He, as Darth Vader, sometime between that moment and his death, went into or searched for the world between worlds and was on a quest for this and is also maybe strong enough to force project himself as young Anakin within this world, you know? yeah, And that's why we get both the Darth Vader theme and young Anakin, because there is this it is technically both of them. Yeah. It is technically him as Darth Vader, but also presenting himself to Ahsoka in a form that is different. Like a friendlier face you know? almost. And what does that mean? You know, was he reaching out to her? Did it was, it was it was he here to save her? You know, was this part of his like redemption later on, you know? That, yeah. Um i.e. who who knows how they're gonna like connect all that. But that that's the would that be satisfactory or I, would yeah, that kind I, of feel I think, that
1: again like i think there's just since there's so much we don't know yeah there's a lot of space to play and have something interesting i'm also wondering if perhaps um like no maybe ahsoka's not she did not die maybe those ruins and that place are like you said it's like a port there's it's a portal system too so i never i never said
0: that the ruins are a portal but the world between worlds can be accessed through these portals right but that doesn't so, like, mean could
1: that area be a
0: portal i mean the last time that the that's happened it was like there was like a clear like portal in a wall like you know like oh. this is like there's like a clear gate it's not
1: like a concept it's like an actual here's a portal and you can walk into the world between worlds
0: Kind of. That's okay. Like, yeah, this is not, this is, and there's nothing here to indicate that there was like a portal oh. there. Okay. Um. But if Anakin did pull her in, that would be an interesting thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um. Clearly she didn't get there on her own. I Unless can imagine she died. Yeah, and I can imagine <laughs> that she got pulled there, you know? And then I can also imagine that Darth Vader is sitting in his throne somewhere and force projecting himself into this place, you know, as Anakin, if he learned how to do that. Maybe, uh, you know, and, and it would be super interesting to me, but I don't, I don't know. We can only we can only speculate right now. See if they're going to like give us any of these answers next week on Ahsoka. Until then, that's our review of Ahsoka Episode 4. What do you all think is going to happen? Anyone out there, do you believe this is Darth Vader? Do you believe this is Anakin? Do you believe it's Force Ghost Anakin? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, we, are we going to see Sabine and what happens to her? Or are we going to finally see Ezra in the next episode? Or is this going to be a tease? Is this all just a big tease <laughs> in the, at the end of eight episodes we're just leading up to... Uh, This is just the prologue and then a table setting for the entire, what is it? You know? Yeah. I'm sure Dave Filoni has some plans. I'm sure he's going to do more than that. But if you have your thoughts or your questions, things we didn't talk about, things you want to fill us in on, if you're Kevin and you want to go throw a lore dump on us, you can do that in the YouTube comments. I'm definitely like reading them and enjoying them. I I love all this information, you know? Uh, Um. Even if I don't bring it up or it, in essence, like it's, it's fun to have, have it all. Yeah. Um, you can also email us at, codependentcontent at gmail.com. You can, uh, find us on TikTok. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on discord, bulgarianorder.com or, uh, wherever the link is in the mm-hmm. description, just go there and you'll find the invite. Uh, we put up the episodes and we do other things. Sometimes we talk about, it. I sometimes neglect the discord because no one's a- around and I forget to, to post in it, you know, but I, I do think that there's a chance that it can, you know, slowly build its way up. Like it's I, fun. I answer everything. If you're there and you're like, I don't know what to say. Like it's intimidating because no one's talking anywhere. And I get that. Like, it feels like you're. Jumping in and, and no one's around. And you're the first one like at the party and you don't want to be the one that's, we're all awkward people and don't want to do it. But anything you, you say, I'm jumping in, you know, if you're there to engage, you want to do something, whatever, do that. We also record this live every week and we have a chat and we're always super interested to have people tell us when we're wrong in the middle of us saying it. So yeah, um, I think that's everything unless you have anything else you want to say, Shannon, everything. Um, well, Shannon, um, will you join me in, uh, ruining, uh, Star Wales next week? Always. Also, did you, if y'all forgot, we changed the name to Star Wales. We're no longer calling it Star Wars, but we're also ruining it. So, um, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, Shannon, you gonna join me? Fuck yeah. Great. Well, well, I'll see you next week.